Hello, this is Paul McGann. And this is Jake McGann. And you and are you're listening, listening to, to Travelling the Vortex. Ding dong. Travelling the Vortex. As he travels the vortex and landed in episode number 143. I'm Keith. I'm Glenn. And we're down a man this week. <laughs> Sean is on holiday. Sean is on holiday. A very nice holiday from the pictures we've been getting in the. <laughs> and he's uh, been posting a lot of oh pictures my. on Facebook. He posted 100 pictures yesterday. Yeah, alone. Yeah. For, that was just one day's worth. Right. I think that was the day he landed. So, yeah, I, I, I want to say like day well, two was like yeah. 140 no, I some. Think d- yeah, day two. Was the really big one? Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. Well, he took his really nice SLR camera with him, so yeah. I mean, he's got some gorgeous shots. Oh yeah, it makes me very jealous whenever I see a tweet come through and up <laughs> there on Instagram. I'm like, oh, my favorite's been the one that was titled on Instagram, "Your Moment of Zen." Oh, that was such that a beautiful picture. Yeah, <laughs> very pretty. How was your week? It was good. Um, didn't do much. Read a lot. I did. I read a whole bunch. Well, <laughs> so did I. You know, I, the funny thing is, I, I did and I didn't. I put, I kept putting. I, you know, I started this like three weeks ago, and I, I was just wasn't getting anywhere. And I think I got like two chapters in in that first two weeks because it just wasn't picking up and going anywhere. And so then, well, I picked it up. Yeah, and I picked so I picked it up this week, and I read a little bit on Monday. And a little bit on Tuesday and was almost halfway through it. And then I didn't read it on Wednesday. And then Thursday when I, morning when I was going to get up and read it, I watched – I think that was Thursday. Maybe it was Friday. I got up I decided I want to watch a movie. So I watched Cabaret because <laughs> I'm going – I've been doing this for a long time. And, and it, it's no surprise to some people that have been listening for a while. But I've been going through the 100 greatest film – AFI's 100 greatest films – of all time that I haven't seen yet because there's there's a good chunk of those I, I made you know I got I downloaded a list and I went through and marked a bunch of stuff off that I had seen and there's a good chunk of them that I've seen probably at least half if not more so I was very pleased. Is this with the that. updated list or the original? list? I think this is the original list. I think the updated li- but the updated list is only swaps out like seven I think. Because it did a tenth anniversary yeah, edition. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have the tenth anniversary edition. But anyway, um, so well, I now you can watch Wizard of Oz on Blu-ray for very soon. Well, sure, but it's come and see Wizard of Oz a number saying, of times. You can see a beautiful Blu-ray well, version. Right, right now I'm trying to knock off the ones I've never seen. Yeah. Or I, I did make some exceptions for some of the ones I hadn't seen in a long time and couldn't remember what they were even about. Yeah. Um, so, But Cabaret's on there, and that was one of those ones that I think I started watching one time and didn't get – I mean, it was not, not for the fact that it wasn't a good movie. I think I got interrupted or something. So. See, I like the stage version much better than see, the movie. I've never seen the stage, stage version uh, of it. Emporia did it like – the year at, like 2004. I'd be intrigued to see a stage version because of the way that it's set up. Because really, the only musical numbers are all done in cabaret well, style, right that, there in the cabaret. That's the thing with the musical; it's much more set in the cabaret instead of elsewhere, and I them see. running around. I see. Uh, they were filming on location, from what I understand right, of right. the movie, so right. they utilized what they could, kind of like uh, City of Death. Where they just had gorgeous shots of them running through Paris. <laughs> so they just did it. They went with it. But the stage version was much more condensed. I thought it was much more personable. Oh, okay. Like, you, you, you cared for the characters. And when I went into it, I had no idea it was about Nazis. Like, when That's I went to go very see... Very... Well, 
That's a very I, thin part of it, but well, that's 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 the weight of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know yeah, that weight yeah, was there. Yeah. I just a friend of mine worked on this. I'm going to go see it, and I was blown away by the stage version. Huh. Well, I, I'd like. And to I've see never it. been very impressed by the movie. Version. See, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fantastic. It it it's it it's one of those movies that is really kind of weighty and emotional. But then on the flip side. You get to the end and you feel like not a lot's gone on, <laughs> except for you've really got this inside to this relationship yeah. between two people, and yeah. so that's what's neat about it. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, was able to tick another one off the list <laughs> there. So, um, and then uh, Cider Days was this weekend, yeah. so we went to Cider Days yesterday. Well, Mason had a soccer game in the morning, then we went to Cider Days in the afternoon. Um, and for the listener that doesn't know what Cider Days is, it's, it's Basically, what it what it says, um, but it's it's like there's a craft. Booths. There's not as much cider as one no. would expect well, from yeah, cider exactly. days. But there's a there's craft booths out there, and there's stuff for the kids to do, and there's food, and it's really just it reminds me of like a fair. Yeah, it except really, for it, they less right, no, like just bouncy houses right, for rides. Right. But they actually have a giant cider press out there that they use, yeah. and they they make cider all day long, and you can come up and buy a cup for you know a buck or whatever. The cider's usually. I, I, I'm not a big fan of cider, so I usually have a glass, or I used to have a glass, just to say I had a glass. But uh, I don't, I don't drink cider, cider much fan. anymore because I'm not a fan. But um, so we did that. And that was that was a lot of fun. Of course, we got free tickets because we sponsored it at work this year, so that yeah. was very convenient. Um, but then we spent money on the little bounce house things. We bought <laughs> each kid a, a wristband so they could go through them as many times oh, as they want. Nice. So that, they're fifteen dollars a piece. Did they like the uh, petting zoo? They did. Caitlin they really had some really unique animals. They in did. Cats. They had like kangaroo. They had two kangaroos. They had a zebra, alpaca, a llama, um, and a bunch of. They had the standard fare too. Exotic. Well, they had a yak. A yak. It was uh, a very young yak. A but, water buffalo. Oh, I didn't see the water buffalo. Yeah, it was over like, kind of in the quarter by the goats. Oh, so the opposite side. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not see that. I, I'm not an animal guy. I, so I, I just. Know. I, I, I went through, walked through, and then I walked outside the gate while well, they kids yeah. you know, enjoyed. Um, you know, they had a pig, which you can't a touch. Pot the pig. pig. You yeah. can't touch the pig. <laughs> Not supposed to touch pigs at fairs this year, if you don't know about that. Um, and oh. then when we were there, it was like clear across the railing. That's where asleep. it was when we were there too, and he was just <laughs> sleeping the whole time, so you couldn't really touch him if you wanted to. The kangaroos were cool. I thought that was. Funny. They were sleeping when we were yeah, there. Yeah, one of them was sleeping, one was up when we were there. Both were sleeping, but one was sitting upright. Hmm. One was just sitting there. <laughs> well, the one Balancing that was on sleeping looked sick. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. But um, And then that's pretty much it. Uh, the other, only other thing is Caitlin and Holly are now, they just finished Journey to the Center of, Tar- of the TARDIS. So oh. they're just about done with Series 7. And... Caitlin had her watched her first classic. Who? It's not her first well, because she okay. has watched classics with me before in the past, kind of here and there. But this was the first one that she just on her own went she over instigated and instigated. Yeah, a, a, a classic and sat down and watched it. She just randomly pulled one off the shelf. She kind of looked at co- so a She asked what canine was in because she wanted to see something with canine. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> so. I don't. Ha- I have a lot with canine, but they're those ones that canine isn't in it much. Oh. So she she asked if. Full Circle would be a good one, and I thought, you know, that's not bad. It's the beginning of a trilogy, but mm. uh, sort of quasi. And but I thought, you know, Canine's in it a little bit until he gets decapitated. And then, ah! <laughs> oh, spoilers! I haven't seen that one. <laughs> and then he's not in it much beyond that. But well, she sat down and watched the whole thing, so I was I was quite impressed. And she said, you know, I, 
There's not a lot of action, and I like the new ones better. But it was good. It was okay. Oh, that's so good. She, she was promising. Yeah, it was promising. So I was very proud of her. And some of the classics have a bit more action than others. Yes. Well, and, and the, the, the thing is, uh, the, back in the yeah, back in the day, though, <laughs> Doctor Who was really just kind of story driven. Yeah, it, it really was. was. So, um, but if you can get through a four parter like Full Circle, then <laughs> you're, you're, is that a slower one? There's going to be. It tends to be. It's one of those ones that. Without giving anything away, it's one of those ones that doesn't that really. The, it continues to not no, go anywhere, but each story has the potential that it's going somewhere, uh, and it's not until the end that it really does. And, uh, and then it, it, there's a big. You know, it's kind of a payoff at the end, hmm. but it's also Adric's introduction. So. Oh okay. Yeah, so she she was introduced to Romana, uh, two, hmm. and Adric. So. Nice. And Canine, of course, she knew. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah. That's pretty much it. I, it was really a boring week. We did. I mean, that wasn't boring. It was just an average week. We yeah. didn't do anything. It worked all week. So same here. I read a lot. Um, picking back up West Wing. That show is so good. Is it? It, it really I should, is. I should watch it. I've liked I, everything. I'm, I'm Sorkin's in done. Four. Everything. I, that's why I'm surprised you haven't watched Newsroom yeah. yet. Well, <laughs> that's one of those ones that that's I. That's one I, thing we did. That's one of those ones that I want to mainline. Well, so. I just keep waiting for a time to sit down. Season and two is now over. Oh, could be the end of the series. I don't know. They, they ended it in such a way that I'd be okay if that's where it ends. Oh, well, that's good. That's and, helpful. And I saw an article saying that Aaron Sorkin's so swamped with other stuff that, and he has no ideas right now. Well, here's so it's the kind thing. of they haven't renewed it for a third season. Let's let's do it like Britain does. Let's put off, put it off yeah. until you get let's, some great ideas, I'm, I'm and then let's come back two waiting. or three seasons from now and, and do another great series. I mean, oh, and I I saw online Jeff Daniels won an Emmy tonight. For his role on the oh, show. Oh, terrific. Yeah, well, which is well-deserved. There you go. It's such a good show. That's but the so thing is, HBO has a good thing here. They know they've got some successful shows. They don't have to... Or is that Showtime? That's Showtime. Uh, or is it HBO? I think, no, I think it's Showtime. Anyway, yeah, it's Showtime. But they've got... All of those networks yeah. have really great successful no, no, shows. No, it is HBO. On. Okay. They all, well, you know, they're owned by... The, no, right. Cinemax is owned by HBO. Anyway. Because Dexter's <laughs> on Showtime... Newsrooms on HBO. Yes, Dexter is on Showtime. Which ended tonight, too. Um, so they've got some really good things going there. I don't think they need... No, they really don't. ...to have a, a series on every season that's doing yeah. well. I mean, it does well for them, but... Well, and Aaron writes every single episode of the newsroom. See, that's good. That is really good. They, he's turned stuff over to other writers in the past, or he's been <laughs> yeah. edged out as in... I think uh, West Wing was one of the ones... Oh, was it? Yeah, he got edged out of. Oh, so. I don't know. I don't yeah, know sorry. That. Yeah. So when you get to those episodes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I'm I'm coming up on a change in the show because they've introduced a new character that I know sticks around, and um, I have the character's name but not the actor. Sam. He's also on Parks and Rec. Rob Lowe? Yes, Rob oh, Lowe. Wow, how did you not... <laughs> I, 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 I blanked on his really? name. Rob Lowe? I, I just keep thinking, <laughs> Sam Seaborn, Sam Seaborn, wow. Sam Seaborn. Yeah, okay. Uh, is about to leave the show. Well, so. and I think... Um, oh, what's his name? Wasn't Matthew Perry had a reoccurring role on there uh, I don't at think, one point? I, not, I, not that I've encountered yet. Okay. I, I, I'm not there's sure. A lot of, there's a lot uh, of... I'm not sure, but I think I heard that after the failure of... Uh, See, Studio 60 was after West Wing was off the air, I think. Studio, yes. No, no. I don't think so. Wasn't it? No, I think it was in the towards the end of that run. Well, and I think maybe, because, that's when, maybe that's when... Because he was really good friends with all the producers of uh, Sunset mm-hmm. Strip. 
Bait. Mayor Louise Parker has a recurring oh, on it well, right now. So I've been I've been mainlining some of that in between reading. Like I watched an episode before I headed over for Friday Night Who, just because that's pretty much all I did this week. Um, but Saturday, since uh, Sean was gone, I was like, I want to stay busy. So I got up and went to the sculpt. What's get up? I know. I got What's up. What's get up? I got up. What time is get up? Ten. Oh, now that is early for you. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are going, ah, oh, 10, that's not early. Yeah, for me, early on for a Saturday, Keith, yeah. Sarah's at work. I don't have to really do anything until 6.15 <laughs> when she gets home. <laughs> yeah, so I wow. got up. and um, You guys should have given me a holler. Well, Mel, Mel organized it. You know I what? My hands. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I, it wouldn't have worked for me anyway because I had the kids until Holly, Holly had patience this weekend. So, uh, yeah, so I, we, she wasn't uh, done until noon. We were gonna go to, at first, we were going to go to Crestview. And then they changed their mind and wanted to go to Shunga because Phil came with us and his friend Cody. Oh. Um, and then Mel was at Shunga and sat there. A couple cars pulled up. And then a whole wave of cars showed up. Aww. They had a tournament. Oh. <laughs> at Shunga. Oops. And Crestview. <laughs> so we had to go to oh. the lake. Wow. Yeah. Now the lake's a better course. I did not anyway. play very well. Uh, but you I didn't did, put one in the water, did you? I did not. Phil and Cody did. <laughs> We got Phil's well, we back. forgot to tell you when Kate, when Sean and I went out three weeks ago, he mm-hmm. put one in the water. Oh, did he? Yeah. We got Phil's back. It was fourteen. Mm, of course, not the one I lost. It goes right towards the lake. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, parallel to yeah. it. And they changed it up a little bit. Yeah, I noticed that uh, when we were there too. Sixteen goes into the woods now. Yeah. Which I didn't like that all. Uh, you know what? I don't think sixteen went to the woods. Maybe. Yeah. Now it now it veers off to the right okay. and into the woods. Oh, but it goes. Yeah, you kind of have to go like this. No, that's seventeen. Oh, okay. 17. That one's always gone into the woods. Now there's two holes that go oh, into the geez. woods. Yeah, right, that. back to back. Forget that. <laughs> I think I scored. I scored the lowest out of all of them. I got like eighty something. Oh. But I I did discover that I tee off better if I don't run up. If I just stand there and hurl it, I do better than a running approach. I think because you have better control. Yeah. Well, we did that, and then I went grocery shopping and played more Last of Us on Saturday, and we didn't really do much Saturday nights. What was Last of Us? Oh, that's, that, that that's new, a uh, PS2, yeah, or that PS3, PS3 game. video game. Yeah. Uh, and then today we went uh, to Saturdays with my dad and my stepmom. I had fun with that. And then we came home and uh, watched almost all of The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is really, really good. I was really nervous going into it because I hold the book at such high esteem, but they, it helps, and I didn't realize this until we sat down. The guy who wrote the book wrote the screenplay and directed it. Oh, so that's So that's it's, a, it's a great adaptation. It's, it's, it's going to <laughs> yeah. be true to the source material. And from what case. I remember, it hits all the right notes, oh, and the casting is phenomenal, and I really look forward to finishing it tomorrow. I, learned, <laughs> I like Emma Watson a lot, so I'll... And I borrowed it from Robert, so he might... He'll probably oh, well, terrific. Oh, yeah. well, good. The I have access to <laughs> That's pretty much all I've done. Oh, I didn't finish my book. I mean, I finished the book. I didn't finish my book story. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I cut off on other stuff. No, I, uh, it's not that big a deal. But I got to Thursday, and I watched Cabaret, and then I had all of this book left, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Um, but I... Earth World's a quick read. I, I didn't realize. Once you get past uh, oh. some of it, and so yeah, I, I I blew through it, and actually finished. I didn't think I would. I thought I'd still be reading today, but I finished last night. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I was going to be finishing important. mine before Friday night. Who? But I ended up finishing that Thursday. Ah, 
See, so yeah, yeah that was a pretty quick read. <laughs> uh, speaking of not quick reads, I did start Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. I am in well, the. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the first proper chapter now because I got through the prologue. Okay. Well, which honestly, having seen the series. It's kind of hard to get the prologue. Oh. I don't know why, but I just maybe, maybe it's good that I haven't seen the series. Maybe it's we'll probably it's probably because I know the fate of these characters uh, that are introduced in the prologue. Here's yeah. a hint: you're not going to see them the rest of the book. <laughs> <laughs> but it sets that's up, just the prologue. That's just the oh prologue. <laughs> but it sets up some very important stuff, and then I'm finally into the chapter where I'm being introduced to characters I know and love on the show. So now it's a lot easier to read, oh, and I don't good. want to put it down. Oh, good. So, okay. Well, then I'll uh, I'll try to get hope. started on my endeavor to do it as well. So, All right. Such well, I suppose that's all we did this week. So let's yeah. move. Sean, what did you do this week? Oh, you're not here. Oh, he well, he went to Y. Went we to Hawaii, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Posted some pictures. Moving along. Next up is news. News. There's possibly... A new Doctor Who game in the works. Um, so this isn't like this solid is, confirmed. This no, is, no, it's um, according to the latest Doctor Who consumer panel survey to be undertaken by fans. <laughs> there, apparently, there's a thing, and it's official. <laughs> um, oh well, if it's official, it's, a, then. it's an official survey. Uh, having, well, it's about time they started asking fans <laughs> what they want. <laughs> Um, it, it, on the survey, it says we are thinking of making a Doctor Who game, which would be available to play on smartphones slash tablets. Well, they've done that before. Well, they're thinking of doing it again. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, for the first, well, I don't think I have. According it to this, for the first time ever, I had to delete. Well, so they, did, they had the adventure games, and they have Worlds in Time, and they had the Eternity Clock, which I'm so angry that it's not getting a sequel. I wish I could remember. I don't have it on my iPad because I had to move stuff off in order to get the new iOS 7 update, which is another thing I did this week. Um, but there was there was one for iOS. Uh, it may have been on other mobile devices as well, but there was one for, for the iOS. I never found an official. I never saw official one for Android. Okay. Well, there was definitely one for the iPad and iPhone because I had it for a while. I never finished it, but uh, hmm. it had to do with the angels, and I can't remember exactly what it was called. But it wasn't but. an adventure game. It was not an adventure game per se. Well, like the that line of adventure games. It was yeah. not part of that line. Oh, okay. No, yeah, this was specifically those because those are all computer. Yeah, um, I didn't know this if there one. Was a port. No, this one was not a port of anything. It was it was original. And gosh, I wish um, I feel bad that I don't remember what it was actually called. But I just downloaded it like a year ago and and started playing it. And hmm. it, it's Eleventh Doctor and Amy. Oh, so it's um, pretty new. Then. Yeah, it, it was really totally re- recent. So, hmm. anyway, continue. Well, according to the list, for the first time ever, fans of Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> will be able to interact with fifty years of beloved adventures, aliens, and enemies. Travel backward through the Doctor's timeline to face his deadliest foes and meet his most memorable companions. Well, that sounds fun. Through this epic adventure, you will build a formidable army of companions, allies, and past regenerations to take down a foe whose actions threaten to rip the universe apart. And then they ask fans, based on the above description, how interested would you be in playing the game when it is released? There are also some mock-up images. Uh with what looks like a very bejeweled type game and then a description of the 11th Doctor and then what looks like where would be all the regenerations because there's a picture of Matt and a picture of David. Huh. And then they were also invited to suggest a name for the game with a 
uh, from the following possibilities and also provide their own. Legends of the Doctor, Legends of Monsters, Adventures with Monsters, Puzzle <laughs> War, Friends and Monsters, Puzzle batter, Battle, and Doctor Who Legacy. Oh, I like that one. What um, was the that, first one? Legends of the Doctor. Okay, I like that one, and I but I really like, I like Legacy. Doctor Who Legacy. Um, the inclusion of the word "when" in the statement certainly suggests that a game is planned and may have already been may have already entered development. But there is no indication as to when it is likely to be released. Oh. So I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I think I'd play. I would play it. It's got an official website: DoctorWhoConsumerPanel.com. Well, we'll go there and vote. What is it? It says DoctorWhoConsumerPanel.com. I'll add that to the show notes. You can register. Huh. I obviously did a lot of research on this story before. Uh, for those of you that are shouting at your podcasts or your MP3 players right now or whatever you listen to our show on, the game that I was referring to is called Doctor Who The Mazes of Time. Hmm. Uh, face off with the most fierce full monsters in the Doctor Universe, the Weeping Angels in this brand new level pack. Well, that's, that's the level pack. For the first time, an iPhone and iPod into the world of Doctor Who in a brand new action puzzle adventure. An intrepid traveler through time and space in the last of the powerful Time Lords, the Doctor is armed only with his incredible talent intelligence and his sonic screwdriver join him and his human companion amy pond as they race to save an innocent family attacked by a rogue dalek and hurtled into the depths of history your journey will take you from ancient incan temples temples well this is for you key uh to the frozen tombs of telos (laughs) you've been to the frozen tombs of telos no oh ancient oh all right 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 um incan temples and stunning and a stunning finale on a dalek ship spoilers (laughs) defeat your favorite enemies solve uh, devious puzzles and restore peace throughout time i guess they want to make sure that you know that the daleks are there and that would maybe hook more players i suppose that's true yeah i'm not seeing it on uh android so it must be ios only i think it was i think i remember that specifically being the case all right well Cool. New DW. Uh, new, D- <laughs> new DW uh, game. Possibly coming to our mobile phones. So let's mobile hope devices. and go and say, yes, we want the game. If yes. you want the game. Go and vote. The link will be in the show notes. Next up, the U.S. DVD release date and information. Very little. For the 50th anniversary special, which is now entitled The Day, Day of the Doctor. Doctor. Uh, December 10th. It will be released on DVD and high-def Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray version won't be alone. It will actually be a Blu-ray-DVD combo package, the same DVD disc, and the regular Blu-ray disc, and also a 3D Blu-ray disc. So you can can watch it in 3D if you have a 3D TV. Well, tell us all the fascinating extras that are coming with this disc, Sean. Or Sean. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to impersonate Keith? him. Keith? <laughs> Sean? Well, Sean's on here. Keith, well, you tell us what's on this. Thing. I guess I'll do an opinion. I, I just called you Sean. I think it's because you showed me that text. Yes, that is why. <laughs> okay. Um, so far, we know that it will come with a feature called Doctor Who Explained, which is described as the entire 50-year history in one hilarious 50-minute special. And other exclusive content will be announced. That's all we know. <laughs> so all we know is that one, which is, sounds cool. Yeah, I think, cool. I think it's a special that's 
I think that's one of the ones that BBC is commissioning. Got, for, yeah, for the fiftieth. Uh, I'm sure of, that's what we'll see. Is a lot of that stuff yeah, on there. I would, it would yeah. make sense. Right. No mention of the prompts. It's ready made. Ready made content. Oh yeah. No mention of the prompts, which I'm which a little is, sad about. If it they don't still do could it. be announced, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I would think though that that's one piece of material they already have. Yeah, and, and already edited and has and already, already aired. aired. Yeah. I don't think the proms get their own DVDs. So oh, I don't think they use because all the at least all the other Doctor Who proms were included on other Which specials. Which is why I think it will be on this one, but we'll see. I'm trying to remember what the David Tennant proms was included on. It was one of his. Might have been End of Time. Which was one of so those. So it would have been part of the specials. Yeah, it was one of those the Christmas special End of Time. No, well, yes, the first Christmas special, the first end of time Part was one. the Christmas special, and then the next one aired on New Year's Day. So, if I'm right, and that was included on end of time, all the proms have been released with Christmas specials. So maybe they're holding off. Maybe they'll hold off for the Christmas one. They want one. some extra content because this for the Christmas, doc, uh, Christmas Carol had the first 11th Doctor That's one. right, yeah. You're right. Uh, there are a lot of rumors that an adventure in space and time will be included, but uh, TV on DVD or TV shows on DVD.com sources cannot are not able to confirm nor deny the rumor. And we talked a little bit about this that it it almost seems like that should have its own yes. DVD release. And in fact, he goes on to say, although one of my industry contacts felt certain that it makes sense for the BBC to release this production separately yeah, as its I own think DVD. So too. Well, especially since it's longer. It is longer, and you would then have all of the. I'm sure there's some deleted scenes that they could include oh, that they yeah. would have cut for time. And the bonus features of the making and them talking exactly. about the time exactly. era. And then you could have commentary. You could have. A great you could have DVD uh, absolutely. So I just I can't see them trying to lump that in there. With all of the wealth of, of stuff that they could put oh, with it yeah. as well on its own disc. So. And, of course, the, the packaging is the new poster. It's the official packaging. So. It, it looks cool, too. Yeah, I mean, the mock-up packaging that I've seen, it, it obviously in watermark says not final. Well, yeah. yeah they, they, they include that on I'm all, sure that's most what, of them. Yeah, I'm sure that's what we'll get. And you can pre-order from Amazon already. Of course. <laughs> you, as soon as a movie hits the theater now, you can pre-order oh. on Amazon. Once they have a release date, that's all yep. you have to do. Which, and they don't even have to have a DVD release date to pre-order. That's true, yeah. Other, all right. Other news. Uh, Chicago TARDIS has added a guest. Sarah Sutton. And Rachel, our listener, pointed this out to us. So thanks for bringing that to our attention, Rachel. I think she also pointed out that now each Doctor has a companion yeah. with them. So, so it'll be 8 and Grace, 7 and... Uh, six, seven's not there. Oh, seven's not there. Sorry. Uh, yes, thank you. Six, six and, and Nicola, Nicola. Perry, <laughs> Perry, and now five and Nisa. So. Technically, Peter has two companions. Who was the other? Perry. Oh well, yes. Was, yeah, no, she was absolutely. introduced there. No, you're absolutely right. So that's yeah, she real. gets two episode two stories <laughs> with him before he regenerates. This is getting. Oh, there's so many good people at this con. Have they had any other additions that we haven't... I don't think there's, there's not ones we haven't talked about, oh, okay. but I'm just re-scrolling re through, and Dan Starkey, and, and Michael Jaston, and Terry Malloy, and Nick Briggs, and all the ones that we've covered Well, before. all but four of those were at Galley, so well, yeah. I, saw, I saw three of those four. 
But for someone who hasn't been to Galley, it's you know, yes, I suppose that's true. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, if I win the lottery, well, I, I'm taking you because <laughs> well, in, in the reality of it is is yes, I would be off, but that's because I would quit my job, no. <laughs> and then you would I wouldn't fall I, under the uh, category of can, you can't can be off at the off. same time I can because. Well, presumably there would be a producer by then. Well, you not the to, way we work. <laughs> you have to uh, win fairly soon. Yes. At the speed they hire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole other. Um, Someday when we don't work there, we can air a lot of our <laughs> dirty laundry. Yes. We can't say much. Now. Just wait till that podcast. <laughs> uh, but there's also uh, brought to our attention another convention happening. June of next year, June 28th and 29th, in Huntsville, Alabama, Conquestaboris. And they have a certain Sylvester McCoy as a guest, along with Andrew Cartmel. So if you went to Chicago TARDIS and you got 5, 6, and 8, then you, you can, can head down to uh, Alabama, Huntsville, and uh, get 7. Yeah. Next year. In June. And this is their third year for the con. I'm trying to look back and find and what said that, other guests they had. Last year they that, had a thousand people. Yeah, you said wow. That's and that's for con standards. That's a very intimate small con. Oh yeah. For a Doctor Who convention, that is a healthy number. Yeah. It so really is. I'm very very uh, impressed that they can bring that many people. Looks like last year. I just I wish somebody closer would have a Doctor Who exclusive oh, convention, and it would just be so much easier. Oh, last year they had a. Wibbly wobbly dancy wancy. <laughs> what is that? A, a dance. Oh well. <laughs> Thanks, I got that much. It was That's it. all I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, one of the highlights of the convention was, was our dance on Saturday night. Oh, okay. That's just what they called it. Not many of them have a dance. No. Hmm. Uh, Caitlin Blackwood was a guest last year. Ah, little Amelia. Yeah. I'm trying to find if there were any other guests. Well, she canceled on Galley. <laughs> Call me because she went to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, but that's June. It looks like it's it's a small enough con that they have one celebrity guest and then a behind-the-scenes guest. And then everything else is just related. Yeah. Panels and things. Uh, like Kelly Yates was there last year. He's a comic book artist okay. for Doctor Who, and he's coming back this year. And Lady Soliloquy was last year. So who? Somebody named Lady Soliloquy, author, oh fan video, and audio editor. Oh, okay. So a fan. Lady Sol- I, I apologize, Lady Soliloquy, is that I don't know who you are. So will it? What is it? Soliloquy. Soliloquy. That's like a the mouthful there. Soliloquy. Soliloquy. And I haven't started in on the scotch yet. This one. <laughs> You guys really should have cut me off last week. <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Have. Maybe, oh, late, Lady Soliloquy is coming back this year. Oh well. So then, if we make it down there, last we'll year, meet Lady Soliloquy. They had three guests. This year, so far, they have four. Ooh, they could always add they're more. They're stepping up. They're they're increasing. Well, yeah. There's a lot of time between now and then. Yeah. So, so I, I, it's it's rare for a con to not add guests. In my experience. Well, yeah, because look at Chicago. I mean, we're only two months out, and they're still yeah. adding guests. Well, so they were adding guests to amazing. Galley up to like the That's month true. Before. They really did, yeah. Unfortunately, it's probably too far for us to go. Yeah. 
That's that's even further drive than Chicago mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Although I do know somebody that lives down there. So. Oh. Well, now we have also, if we want to go to TimeGate in May, well, we couldn't go in May, but if Sean wanted to go in May, we know somebody who lives <laughs> in Atlanta yeah, now. In <laughs> oh, yeah, we could stay with Brenda. Even though she doesn't live in Atlanta proper, right? <laughs> she lives in Atlanta Metro. <laughs> Metro. But it doesn't look Sean like... Sean uh, was confusing that. Please, please tell me you didn't get that. I, I got okay. that. Um, but it looks like TimeGate, I did a check of this earlier this week, um, has a monster actor from who? He's looks like he's played an ooh to Cybermen. He's one of the people in the suits. New and, series. Yes. Okay. Uh, a clockwork person from on the fireplace and a whisper man oh. and then nobody else from who so far really for time gate that's when is that that's in that's in may of yeah. next year so they got plenty well, of time well, they got time. somebody from stargate and another from stargate oh the, oh the i was thinking the magazine that was Starlog. yeah stargate sg1 because <laughs> you see they're rebooting that they're going to do a trilogy for movies yeah i know they were talking about it they're, that's apparently but it's been greenlit now so. who i'm trying who directed that Hmm. I'm trying to remember who did the original. I don't remember who directed it. I know Spader and uh, I remember hearing about Russell it. Russell ran that. Kurt Russell. Ran yeah, that. I remember hearing about it, and there was like some rights issues or something oh. with the. No, I think I think I saw this or, week. Or, it's been or he was the one wanting to do it. Oh, I, I saw this week that that was a done deal. So. Or at least Greenland. Oh, yeah, it was a Roland Emmerich movie. Well, he's oh, it was ta- a Roland Emmerich he's, movie. He's been talking yeah. about doing sequels to everything anyways. Yeah. Uh, how, how, well, how many I, it times sounds I like he wants to start ID from 4. scratch. Like well, he wants to do the first one again and then do two more. Because, I mean, his it, actors it, are quite old. I well, mean, James Spader has changed a lot. Oh. I mean, you still could do it if you set it if with you the same it, yeah. amount of if, time. Because that's last I heard was right. a sequel. I didn't hear that he wanted to remake the new one. The thing I read this week was the... The idea is to redo the first one, which technically would be the third reboot because they rebooted it for the series. Because they started over at the series. Well, kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. They changed Sean some of the backstory. Sean would be the expert on this because yeah. I didn't watch well, enough SG-1. I didn't watch too much of it either. But they, they changed but it was the a little same bit characters. of backstory. But it was yeah. the same characters. But it was still a kind of quasi-reboot. So. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, anyway. It's, oh, it's kind of one of those classics I don't think needs to be touched again. <laughs> I understand booting uh, it as a series. Well, you but know, it works so well for Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we don't have any more That's news, news this week, we so we'll move on to a certain promise that was made for feedback. Feedback. Let me unmute me real quick. Okay. I don't know if you know this song at all. You know what? I don't know if you know this song. I have no idea what this song is. Before this podcast starts up again, it's me and Glenn. We won't wait for Sean. The man's off at the beach in Hawaii. (laughs) Well, there's lots of smart ideas in emails I haven't read. When I sit down to record, I sure wish I had. (laughs) Read it, read it, it's time for feedback. Read it, read it, Flynn's gonna read it. 
Play my part, little part in something big. I love Palmer Dan with grace. When she called his name in the movie And I'll say All the shoes in the world Wouldn't fit as well We're the ones who tangent We're a podcast that goes two hours And I'll say Please give me the chance to shake Paul's hand For Three and a half, like last week I'll say Back when the podcast started I was someone new to who You're really one-upping Sean here Got two friends here I'd had for years That led me through and I'll tell you something else. I ain't amateur anymore. I feel like I've learned so much that I am a pro. Read it, read it. It's time for feedback. Read it, read it. Glenn's gonna read it. Rock on, young who fan. Don't give up, who now? I love Palmer Dan with grace When she called his name in the movie And I'll say All the shoes in the world wouldn't fit as well <laughs> We're the ones who tangents We're a podcast that goes two hours And I'll say Please give me the chance to shake Paul's hand <laughs> And I have one last wish, oh my gosh. and it's for Matt Smith. <laughs> please don't go, please don't go, please. <laughs> I love Palmer again with grace when she called his name in the movie. And I'll say, all the shoes in the world wouldn't fit as well. We're the ones who tangent We're a podcast that goes two hours Sometimes And I'll three. say, please give me the chance to shake Paul's hand <laughs> Thank you, thank you I have to say, I, I, I'm not all that familiar with the song, but the chorus sounded slightly familiar It, was a, it got really big radio play It's a Jimmy Eat World I don't know oh, if you've okay. heard of the band. Right. I have heard of Jimmy Eat World. One they of their had, uh, songs is on Rock Band. One of the Rock Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the Middle. Yeah. That, is, that, it was their really big na- na- yeah. uh, song. But I think I, I, the chorus of that song. That got a lot of radio play. Very good. You totally one-upped Sean. <laughs> Actually, like, you've like ten-upped Sean. I did a full You did a full song. I, well, it helps that the chorus was a three quarters. Well, but he doesn't even repeat his chorus. Well, that's true. He'll like do a line and then he'll do a chorus and then he'll do a, a, what do you call it, stanza and then yeah. he, he's done. I, I you went full out. I heard the chorus was... three times and you had three stanzas in there. So it was a lot harder to do than you think. Good job. <laughs> I give full props to Sean for doing it as often <laughs> as he did. That's why he only I, does short stories. I, I went through so many songs. I, I had some great ideas, but I couldn't get anywhere with them. And this yeah, one just fell in your lap and clicked. It just clicked once I started oh, going okay. with it. and That's great. Couldn't have worked out any better. Well, when we do the uh, Sean Releases the Best of <laughs> CD, yours will be the bonus track. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the, the hidden track. Some of the ones I was looking at was like Moondance. Dance. Van Morrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um could have done that with Moon Base. Well, <laughs> I didn't think of that. I, I, I was 
kind of thinking in Paul McGann since mm-hmm. it is the eighth Doctor month for us. Right, right. But I was going to do it was a wonderful night for some feedback. <laughs> But I couldn't get the rest of the song to work. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> had a great open, but that, that, was, it. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, very good. Thank you. All right. Well, let us know what you thought of Keith's feedback, and if you like him to do it every week. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Well, first up on the feedback list is Lisa. Lisa sent two pieces. Yes, she did. She writes in comment question. Further clarification about Clara. One, if Clara is 24 and we are seeing this year for her, then her 23rd year, which is not listed in her book of 101 places to see, is the year Clara is in the snowman slash Victorian London, meets Matt Smith's doctor, and dies. Two, her mother says she will always find Clara regardless of where she is when she gets lost, even the moon. When Clara is 16, another missing uh, year in the list of years her mother dies. Three, I dislike red ink. I noticed that I noticed in the Big Bang the doctor used red ink to leave his notes. I believe at some point he says to Amy to get his red pen. A, many people have speculated that Matt Smith is really the twelfth doctor and that's why I thought the crossing off of eleven and writing twelve with red ink meant something. And, let me hit real quick on that. That certainly could be a Moffat thing to do, just yeah. as as what do you call that meta? You know, just to, you know what I mean. Well, just how many to, eleven references have we just had? It's right, very meta. Exactly. I mean, and I then, think I think that's just a meta thing to do. I don't think that's going to um, be resolved later or answered. But I think that is certainly something it's, within it's a, there. It's a self referential thing. Yeah, yeah. self referential. That's probably a better. And with well, that's what meta means. Right. Is being self referential and with the idea of John Hurt being a incarnation somewhere in there right. yeah that, that this, this wins to, to that idea yeah. uh b age slash aged for both clara and ellie to describe their time in their book 101 places to eat c maybe age means an age and a doctor's era well that's interesting c number four below we'll get to that in a second c in force of the dead just prior to getting to the center of the planet hard drive cow River is talking about the doctor when David Tennant says, spoilers, goes down the stairs and says he passes River, as he passes River, I am the doctor. To which River replies, yeah, someday. This told us everything about Matt Smith's story as the doctor. Her doctor, yes, yeah. someday. I, 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 that's what okay. I chalked it up to, but and she may, and maybe that's the spoilers. Maybe that was the more ma- or the I guess she Moffat saying, "Not my doctor, right?" But when I take over the show, and it could be because he would have known probably around that point that he was yeah going to be stepping into those shoes again. Well, meta, uh, but interesting, least, or at least saw the writing on the wall that he was probably going right. to be right again. Meta though, I mean, it's this all, all of this is very self referential and and interesting. I like it. Four, Stephen Moffat loves English. A, his placeful use of words with multiple meaning, i.e. birthday versus versus birthday. My fault for not being correct in my first email when quoting River and Good Man Goes to War. We would have to see the script to know for certain if River said birthday or birthday. Right. Uh, I, I, duck versus duck, duck pond, 
Duck, Sally, Sparrow both use the word duck, yet they mean different things. Three, the Big Bang versus Big Bang versus Big Bang, possible start of the universe, or a really good time with a consent with a consenting adults. Smiley she has face, a winking smiley face. Winking smiley face. <laughs> Uh, four, doctor versus doctor, a wise man or a mighty warrior, depends, Dr. Song, is that because she is a mighty warrior also? Five, I could go on, so I, so you, so could you, but I think we, we all get, have gotten the point. <laughs> Trying to stay on topic and not get into things that I, I squirrel on, I call the endless running around in my, inside my head of thoughts squirreling, Lisa. <laughs> Uh, she says, I do Doctor Who tweeting as the Red X. Red X mocks the spot on treasure maps. Well, she doesn't like red ink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I wonder if Lisa watched Lost. The way she's, yeah. bre- the way she's breaking this down is what we did well when the in-between <laughs> episodes, when it aired. We would go through and comb by yeah. comb look at every single little hint. Yeah. But she didn't send in more feedback. She writes in, comment, question, final thoughts regarding previous emails. One, Matt Smith's portrayal of a man alien becoming becoming more than he knew he could be has, uh, has been absolutely scalding. A, especially when you consider this, that scene and the episodes are shot out of order. He starts out in Series 5, playing younger. Who would have thought that was possible? Then he is. Uh, one, he has hair brushed out, brushed forward style, which goes post-first encounter with Kazran in A Christmas Carol. He is rude. He's in a, his rude boy outfit, two high trousers, boots, spanners, and a button-down shirt on the small side. He's slowly losing it in the series. In series 7A, the idea that dinosaurs, Mercy, and Power of Three happen post-Angels Take Manhattan. In Power of, the, Power of Three, the doctor tells Amy he is running towards things because they fade from him, not running from things like he is doing in A Time of Angels. Amy tells the doctor she is running too from her intended or just growing up in general. Four, if you watch Matt Smith's shows again, observe he slowly becomes the doctor he is now. He does definitely age with the doctor, I think. Um, I never got the I never got the idea that those stories took place during Angels Take Manhattan. I thought it was Lisa could expound during a bit. Power of Three. Lisa could expound a little bit. Yeah, I, I, that we sort of talked about that as well. That that that. The dinosaurs and mercy were taking place during Power of Three. That those yeah. those were the events that were they were hopping away to do. Um, I did see it speculated online for a while that those were happening post uh, Angels, and the reason why he becomes I don't want to say as brooding, but as as grumpy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's probably the best. The reason he becomes as grumpy as he does in some of those and, and makes statements that he does well, throughout those is the fact that he already knows the fate of Amy and Rory. Uh, that, but, that, that, would, that would make his speech to Amy in A Town Called Mercy make a bit more sense. Right, exactly. Because we that, haven't that's had a big loss at to. that point. Right. So. It's an interesting idea. 
I guess yeah, I guess it could make it would make sense that it could be for the doctor backwards. Right. Oh, okay. Two. Forest versus the trees. A. Forest type questions. In a Christmas carol, Car- Kazran asks Amy, "How do you know which is the day to have his last day with Abigail?" B. The doctor, Rory, and Amy know at the end of God Complex that sh- that that should be the last adventure. The doctor, knowing he should be moving on, goes to do more adventures with the ponds. He loses them, and he knows he knew better. And should not have put them in the position they ended up in. I consider a way, or a why the doctor loves his dolly tree type question. In Cold War, his Sonic was found as his dolly. As was his dolly. Watch the look when Clara gives him when he kisses the doll. My neighbor... Uh, two, my neighbor ran out of the house a few weeks ago cradling a doll, and he and his wife recently split up, and his daughter had left her dolly at his house, and he and was upset. Light bulb moments. <laughs> okay, I can see that. Uh, three, the family event, uh, agenda. Amy and Rory marry and have a child. Craig and Sophie admit they have fa- feelings for each other. They get married and have a child. Yeah. Lisa, I'm going to correct you there because you're very thorough. They do not get married. They're not That's married true. in closing time. But they do It's just a piece of paper. Right. Uh, The doctor has been emulating the humans around him. You know, the Pinocchio agenda. Smiley face. How many parents' children's stories have has been over the last uh, few series? We have had a lot of those. Yeah, there have been a few. Uh, Clara in series 7B comes off at times as a kid not wanting their parent to know how cool they think they are. It's all children have over their parents. Parents desire to be liked and thought well of by their kids. Clara, being not impressed by the doctor's offer to take place, take her places and return her as if she'd never been gone in a snog box, as Clara calls it in Bells of St. John. In Hyde, she says the orange space suit hurts her eyes when the doc- doctor asks about how it looks. Maybe it's because I was my dad's favorite and I have lived being a daughter with a fun dad who shared his interests with his children. Leukemia killed earlier this year, fight cancer, not each other. I'm sorry to hear that, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out this form of communicating is like a connection, connected dot drawing. I gave you an unlabeled picture of a horse and you came up with a camel. Either I did not give you enough, I give you all enough dots, did not number them correctly, or it's a picture of a camel. <laughs> Thanks again for your responses to my thoughts regarding Doctor Who, Lisa. P.S. Whose name was written on the cot and a good man goes to war? Was it River Melody or was it someone else's name? The doctor says to River, this means, and River says, yes it does. We never learn what was written in Gallifreyan. Very good point. P.P.S. The Moffat Love Loop. A. River meets Matt Smith's first doctor first. B. David Tennant's doctor meets River first. C. They can blame each other for blame each other for getting into this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, your scores weren't really sub level in that one, Lisa. So I'm gonna have to mull some of that over. <laughs> maybe reroute it a bit and uh, maybe get back with you on those because you got really deep on those. Yeah. So I can't 
defute any of them. I mean, there are a lot of good po- valid points. Yeah. Um, at the sake of offending Lisa, I think that reads a little more into it than I would, but they are very, very good points, and I, I have nothing to refute some of them, So yeah. most of them. So, As it is, the only thing I refuted was the fact that uh, <laughs> Sophie and uh, Craig weren't married. But that's you know, I've neither always... here nor there because it's... As you said, it's just a piece of paper. Yeah. It's that, well, that, that was the, that was the line. Pen, in yeah, the exactly. That's what I'm saying. But for all intents and purposes, that's to convey that it's essentially the same thing yeah. to them. So, and it really is. Yeah. I uh, I kind of agree with her with the good man goes to war. I've 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 always been confused by that scene, and I don't feel like it's ever properly been explained of his reaction to the the writing on the cradle, the writing on the cradle and why the Gallifreyan would. Change, like I didn't get. I never got the impression that he inscribed the the cradle in Gallifreyan for Melody. No, see, yeah, like, like that. That was always there for his her uh, his name. Right. I I never assumed that that was Melody or River's name that was on the cot. And, and so that I never refers saw it how to he him, He refers to it, to, or somebody refers to it as his cot. Well, Amy does. He yeah. he kind of beats so, her in the bush, and she. I get the, the impression that that's his cot yeah. and it's his name on it written in Galfrain. Yeah. And that's kind of what but, we're supposed to be. But that doesn't fully explain how he comes to the realization of who River is. I don't see him picking up the cloth that uh, What's-Her-Face made that explains it to Amy and Rory. He never touches that unless he just sees it laying there. And we well, he's already pieced together the fact that... Uh, He's already figured. He's already pieced together the fact that the baby, yes. Melody Pond, is not necessarily Galfrian, but a time lord or time lady. Yes. Okay. Or or has a time head. That, yeah. Has has time heritage anyway. Uh, yeah. They have a time baby. So I think the idea that River, because they make that whole point that. The TARDIS doesn't translate that because it's Gallifreyan. Yeah, it does. It's old High Gallifreyan. Exactly, it's old High Gallifreyan. So, I got the impression that conversation, that weird conversation between he and her, is she's reading old High Gallifreyan. Oh, why would she be able to read it? Because she is Melody, and so that's him revealing. Essentially, to her, that he realizes who she is. And that, what okay, that is. makes more that's, sense. That's, now. that's why I always got, got out a, of it. Right. That assuming it's she a just, time thing. She that knows what it says. It. Well, how does she know what it says? Because of who she is. And she is Melody Pond because only Melody and him would be able to read that because okay. it's old high gal Fran. That's what I got out of that. Now, is that right? I don't know. That, that makes a lot of sense of, to me. Um, it, the, only, the only thing with that is it, it goes on the assumption that it's genetic that she can read it. You just hit well, or or the except time element. For, except for he knows. Now here's the thing, though. He knows he's been traveling with River in his future, though. Well, yeah. So he knows that much about her. So suddenly, she when he realizes, right? Well, so suddenly when he realizes who she is, based on the fact she can read it. Not only would he have to teach that to her, but they would have to have a very close relationship. And the only reason he would have a very close relationship with her might be the fact because she is a time lady. Because oh. I don't think he would have a relationship with, with anybody else. Yeah. Although clearly he would have had a relationship with Rose if things could have paid out differently. But I don't. I think he realizes he would only have a relationship to somebody of his kind because she's the closest thing to it. And especially since there are no more. Because 
Uh, yes, exactly. And because I don't I think mean, she would inherently be able to read that. I think it's because it, it, it she's time learned, lord. Okay. He would take it under his wing to show her how to fly a TARDIS because she's time lady. That he would show her old high Galfrain and she would learn it. That they would have enough time and adventures together at some point in his time stream that she would be able to get it. Hmm, okay. I, I, again, it's uh, I, I'll, that's I'll, the squirrels running in my head. But, I'll, <laughs> I'll buy that for a quarter. Well, I mean, you know, I, that I, fixes I, a lot. I'm of sure this will have a hole. Um, lot to say about that next week as well because uh, I'm, I'm reading that probably different than she is obviously from what she stated on it so anyway Lisa thank you very much for your thoughts we sure appreciate it and it gives uh, us and our listeners a lot to mull over so very good alright next up is Odd Duck, Phil. Odd Duck Phil and he sends in audio this week so let's give it a listen hey who pickens this is Odd Duck Phil uh, figured I would send in a phone voicemail feedback rather than typing because it's really hard to type with a three-week holding in your arms. Um, wanted to say thank you. Really appreciate the well wishes uh, and wanted to clear up a couple things. Sean said that uh, Blink induces labor. That is actually incorrect. Blink causes water to break. She did not go into labor for another 12 hours until they induced her. So yes, Blink will scare the water right out of you, apparently. Um, a side note of that, uh, she got some new pants from my mom that uh, had some interesting patterns on it. And one of the patterns she looked at goes, hey, that kind of looks like a TARDIS. I was like, that's my baby. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> um, I was wanting to get your guys' take on, uh, I think I just read that BBC signed an agreement with Hulu Plus. So it looks like all the Doctor Who episodes are going to be on Hulu Plus now. Does this mean uh, Netflix is losing Doctor Who? Because um, if that's the case, I really don't have to go back to Hulu Plus to watch Doctor Who. Um, and now that my wife is interested in watching it, that's kind of a kind of a sticking point. Wait, what's that, sweetie? Oh, hang on. The little girl's awake. Let's see if she'll say something for you guys. She's really smart. Hang on a second. You got something to say, sweetie? Go ahead. Say it. You gonna say it? Anyway, um, oh, been a lot of talk about David Tennant fans being, uh, I don't know how to compare them. You know, I'm a huge David Tennant fan. David Tennant is my doctor, but it's almost like finding out you're a Twilight fan. You look around, you go, these are the people I share David Tennant with? I mean, he's a really good actor, and, you know, I really enjoyed his performance, but at the same time, I feel like I should start becoming like a closet David Tennant fan the way they talk. I, I, again, as a David Tennant fan, I apologize for the rest of my brother or sister who seem to think that that doctor needs to be cute. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough. I'll go ahead and sign off now. Um, Samantha, you got anything to say? I swear I did not teach her that. Well, y'all have a good one. Bye. All right. Well, thank you, Phil. And uh, I'm, I'm glad your uh, baby is learning these such good words. Yes. And uh, you didn't need the doctor to come along and, and speak, baby, because she clearly can speak. Uh, Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't super clear. Honestly, we had to think about it for a little bit. We had to it. it wasn't until the second yeah, one that it, I could tell then, what it was. Yeah. It, it was clearly, clearly the first one was dive. So, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that, that 
you are raising that child right, or she's at least inherited something from your uh, your genes. Then, <laughs> and that your wife is seen who where who might not be yes absolutely <laughs> i love the fact that the uh the uh was it the pants where was yes. the uh tardis look like the tardis so. as far as the hulu stuff yes. i don't think it's going away on netflix um <laughs> I, I went and double checked on the streaming and normally if at least it's not going away by the end of the month if it's going away i i would be surprised because they added a whole bunch of other BBC shows, too. So it was just a matter of... On Netflix? No, on Hulu Plus. Yeah, well, I was going to address yeah. it then. Hulu Plus added a whole bunch of BBC stuff. So that they just worked out whatever contract issue they had. Uh, as far as needing to switch over to Hulu Plus, I went and checked. All Classic Who is the exact same. So far. So far. They could add more. It's always possible. And New Who... Only thing different is Series 7, Part A, is on there. Um, I don't know if Netflix has Doctor the Widow in the wardrobe, actually. And Hulu, I don't think Hulu, Netflix I don't, does. I don't think it does, and Hulu might have that also. Oh, no, Caitlin watched it, so it must be on Netflix. Because she, well, she didn't have to go dig around in mm-hmm. some of the stuff I bought. So. Okay, then that so must I be think on, it there. Was on there. Yeah. Uh, let me address based on your investigation because I know I've I, I've had Hulu Plus and Netflix for years now because I watch I watch Hulu I I maintain a Hulu Plus uh, subscription because we don't have cable so what we do is our shows we watch them the day after and because yeah. we want to stream them to our t- television it requires a Hulu Plus uh, account to do that to stream them to our Apple TV so. Um, what I have noticed is Hulu Plus has had a relationship with BBC for many years. Hmm. Uh, in fact, Hulu Plus runs a lot of what are called Hulu Plus originals. And those originals are quite frequently BBC originals huh. that Hulu gets, obviously, on some so- licensing agreement. And they play over here. So in the thick of it, which I've been watching oh, on yeah. Hulu Plus. Because it's not on Netflix. It is not on Netflix, and it is a they, – they, they label it a Hulu original because it technically is. It's not it's, original it's, to Hulu, it's but it's only – exactly. That's what I'm sorry. It's not original. It's a Hulu exclusive okay. is what it says. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was mis- – I was wondering I was if they were – speaking there. So Hulu exclusive, and so they have a lot of those shows. In fact, they have uh, a show with uh, uh, Alan Davis as well that I want to pick up that's been on there for uh, about a year now. Um, and and like I say, they've, so they've had a lot of these BBC shows, and I think what they've done is they've expanded their contract or uh, whatever license they have with BBC in order to bring a lot of this in because I think mm-hmm. based on the popularity of the fact that they have a lot of these well, exclusives yeah. and people are coming to those BBC programs that way. So I think what they've done is they've expanded upon that. So that my theory is is that the reason the catalog is similar for BBC or for Doctor Who titles now is probably because the whatever lawyering has to be done with those licenses has already been done for the titles that are on Netflix. So they're able oh, to that carry that sense. over to Hulu Plus because they're very similar with the exception of a few differences that Brenda pointed out several weeks ago. They're very similar to Amazon.com. Too. Yeah. There's a, or, uh, yeah, Amazon. Amazon Prime. Amazon, thank you, Amazon Prime. So I think what will happen, and this is just a total presumption on me, is if this relationship is expanding, I wonder if they'll move those over. They've moved those over first because of the fact that that license has already been kind of hammered out and lawyered. 
I think they'll lawyer some more licenses, and I'm afraid what will happen is they will get, is more. They will get more, and Netflix will the, a license over there will be allowed to expire. That's the mm-hmm. other thing is we don't know what the end termination yeah. point on Netflix's license is. So Netflix gets it until their license runs out on it. So there could be some double play there because there's double play there on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah. So I think that that's what I'm presuming is going to happen is that Hulu Plus is developing a larger and broader relationship with BBC because if you look over, Netflix is bumping a lot of stuff off because they're honoring their contract with Disney and their Disney collection is growing. Their Disney oh, catalog yeah. is growing. And if you notice, a lot of the things that were first runner new over there, and, and not to mention, uh, Netflix has their originals that they're focusing on yeah, now. They so do. they're focusing less on bringing content from somewhere else on television with the exception of things that release you know, on DVD. For weeks or for for years back, so I think what will happen is I think uh, Hulu Plus probably has worked out something with the BBC to expand on their network, and I think we'll see it shrink on the others. Unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> that means you're probably safe for now, Phil. But I think later down the line, I presume we'll probably see all that title, all of that title ship go over to Hulu Plus. That's just based on their relationship so far. With the Here BBC. might be a perk for some people to switch over to Hulu Plus. They did add Torchwood, but only season one through three. Sarah Jane Adventures is on Hulu Plus. Oh, terrific. That is not on Netflix. That is See, not. That, that, that actually lends more credibility to my theory than And a well. something about Doctor's Greatest Moments. Hmm. I don't know what that is. It looks I'll like it's a look. documentary I, special. I haven't looked at Hulu Plus lately <laughs> because yeah. we've been in summer. And so I don't watch a lot over there with the exception of I watched the thick of it when I saw Peter Capaldi had was in that, and I went back to see what uh, that was all about. So, well, there you go. I'll have to uh, pop back over to Hulu Plus, but again, it's been summer, and we've been in reruns, so I haven't had to watch any of my new shows, so I'm not there much anymore. Ooh, so. uh, Misfits is exclusive to uh, Hulu Plus. Yeah, I saw that as well. In fact, have that, has, should, I haven't watched it yet, but I, that, it. that popped up on my suggestions once I started watching uh, In, in the, the Thick of, of It. it. And yeah. it just basically just because it's British, yeah. It's <laughs> nothing more than that. There's no con- there's no connection there whatsoever, other than the fact that they're both British. You definitely won't be able to watch it while the kids are around. No, and there's a lot of shows on there that are MA. <laughs> it's um, it's basically uh, British raunchy heroes. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm all for British raunchy heroes. <laughs> that sounded bad. <laughs> That's me stepping in for Sean this week. <laughs> Sean would sing the praises of the first three seasons of Misfits. Ah. Season four, not so much. Oh, okay. All right, well, shall we move on? Yes. All right, thank you, Phil. Next up is Brenda. Brenda writes, her subject line is, On Violence and Tourism. <laughs> Dear Vortex Gang, just a quick note this, le- this week to offer clarification about something I said last week. When I noted that Doctor Who the movie had an American feel to it, I wasn't referring to the setting. Obviously, the San Francisco location has a bearing on the plot and the details of the script. What I'm talking about is more difficult to pinpoint. I agree, Brenda. Of course, everything I'm about to say is in general and can be contradicted in all sorts of specific ways. Good thing. Sean's not here this week. Uh, But I think that American television tends to focus more on action adventure. You're exactly right. Where... Uh, we're more likely to see car chases and gun fights in such a way on American shows than on British ones. And when the Brits do show action sequences, they tend to be less emphasized, shorter in duration, less lingering on the adventure elements. And she just hit on what I was trying to address with when I was brought up the motorcycle. 
the motorcycle scene, the, oh. the way it plays out, is Americanized. I, Despite the I fact that the that. doctor has ridden out, uh, motorcycles before, the whole motorcycle sequence it's, is it's, very American. Americanized. They don't have many chases. Yes, and that's what she's that's what she's referring to here as well. So I completely agree and concur with I, you. I David. can totally. I, I see what she's saying. And I'm sure Sean agrees. As a specific example of what I'm talking about, the Law & Order UK scripts are remakes of scripts that were originally written for American Law & Order show. And yet, these adaptations feel very different from the American versions of the scripts. Apart from the fact that British detectives don't carry guns, so there are fewer gunfights, the focus is more on character development and interactions than on action sequences. On the other side of the issue, I recently saw a movie that was set in London and starred Vin Diesel, or The Rock, or maybe both of them, and it was one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Definitely an American feeling to that one. As I noted earlier, this is just a general feeling, and it is my opinion solely, so others might not agree. Just thought I'd throw that thought out there and see if it sparks any other observations or comments. Now, again, Brenda, I, I... I felt the gist of your feedback last week because I I have always felt sort of the same way, um, and I, I did brought I brought up the fact that I did counter you with the violence uh, and and the, the body counts and whatnot. But American shows still are gratuitous with the violence. They 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 kind of glorify violence, whereas to me in in Britain it's always. I don't want to say necessary violence, but it's always qualified or quantified. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So I think that I, I wasn't trying to argue against that fact, but I, I, I did find it surprising as a kid that there was so much death in British television and there wasn't in American television. And it seemed like we were focusing on the wrong thing because death is, is something to deal with and violence is something that we could have used less here. And it seems like we had more of that dealing less with death, and over there they had less violence and dealing with death. And so that seems more important, in my opinion, so I, that's why I would favor British shows now as well. I kind of tangent it there, but I, I, I agree. And I, I think she's very right to that aspect, but coming to it from New Who, it's not that way anymore. In my opinion, new, a lot of new who. There's a lot of adventure, and a lot of action. There is, but Keith, I, I, to me, I, I think that Doctor Who still feels very British because they focus more on the character development. Well, they do, and the they action is do. still an aside. Whereas an American television show, it seems like we throw out a lot of the character development in order to placate people with the action. Now, that's not to say there's no character development in American TV, and I think it's coming back in it's, American I television. I think it's coming back very But uh, I think that, that there's, I, I, there's, I, I there's, a, there's an outweighted balance there. I, I, I can see the argument more so for when the TV movie came out than now. Yes, yes. And I think that we're trending back, yeah, yeah American-wise. But. Because I can't think of many shows that I watch that it's just as action sequences that have action well, sequences. Well, because there's not a lot of action on TV now. With the exception, I mean, she's right. I mean, Law & Order UK is one of those ones that you'll see more action or less character development in the, U- the U.S. Oh. than you will see in the U.K. So. And, of course, they, it's been around for so long that... That's true. It's been around since the movie was <laughs> initially out. So. I'm kind of curious to which movie she was talking about that she saw. Well, it either had Vin Diesel, The I Rock, like, or both. That's what I've been looking at. I can't find anything that was set in London. 
But she goes on to write, One other point of interest totally unrelated to this. I was watching The Bells of St. John yesterday to check out the London locations where it was filmed and was thrilled to see the rooftop cafe where the doctor and Clara have breakfast is just two blocks or so away from St. Paul's Cathedral, where we spent the week singing daily services. I got very familiar with that area during our seven days there, and I went back to look at some of the photos taken from the roof of the cathedral dome. I actually spotted the cafe and realized it was the building that I had passed almost daily. The scene where they parked the TARDIS and asked for donations for breakfast was also an area that I knew well, on the south bank just down the river from the London Eye near an amusement park. For kicks, I have attached photos showing the rooftop cafe and the oh. shard as well as the amusement park and the eye. To find the cafe, look for the photo of the Millennium Bridge, the pedestrian bridge, then look at the bottom just to the right of center. There is a brown brick building with tan outlines around each window. The building and St. Paul's Dome were in the background during the entire scene, and the cafe is on the roof of the building to the right of that brown one. Also of interest on oh, the s- keeps oh, keeps <laughs> looking it up. Also of interest on the south bank across the river to the left of the Millennium Bridge is the Globe Theater where the Shakespeare Code was filmed. The building is white and round and features the only thatched roof in London since the Great Fire of sixteen sixty six. Well, we'll include those pictures so that everybody can look. Oh, I see it too. I just scrolled down and I see the pictures. Right? I think I'm seeing that right. It's There's the shard. So from that point, yeah, it's over here. Isn't this over here? So oh, I, I was about? looking at the other side. I missed them. Okay. Look at the photo of the Millennium Bridge. I see that look there. To the, at the bottom, the just bridge. to the right of center. Bottom right. Oh, bottom right. Yeah, you're going ah, bottom left. I was going the wrong way. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's it is what over I, here. Yeah, yeah okay. And oh, here. Okay, no, you're right. Yeah, that across little... the other side. No, it's not across, is it? I thought it was. Hold on. That. Oh. Well, there's there's two pictures. Yeah, because it's it's to the left. I think this ah, the one to the left is showing okay, us. Okay, I got you. All right. So what's the second one? I'm like, oh, there's she. Okay, so that one's the shard. Yeah. And then the eye. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll include these in the show. So this now. is the globe then that I was originally looking at. She said across the other side. Yeah, I think that's the right. round the round building there. Yes. Ah. With the thatch. Roof. Okay. Very good. Very cool. We can see it better in this one actually. Very cool. That All is right. very cool. Well, that's neat. Nice well, we'll, I can say we'll, we'll include those in the show notes. <laughs> We're sitting here enjoying people are <laughs> listening to us are going, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You'll get a look, too. Just look at the website. The whole time I was in London, I kept coming across places that had been featured in various episodes or in the upcoming 50th anniversary special. Westminster Bridge by the Parliament and Big Ben. Uh, Trafalgar Square and Tower of London. Canary Wharf, The Eye, The Globe. The Cuddy, Cuddy Scart, excuse me, the Cuddy Sark pirate ship, and on and on. It was kind of co- cool to see these locations through the eyes of a Doctor Who fan. That's all I have for now. Have a great week, and I'll look forward to hearing to your two-man show, <laughs> Brendan Atlanta. Hopefully, we're not disappointing you, Brendan. <laughs>
All right, next up then is Chrissy. Dear Vortex Boys, Okay, Glenn, you and I are going to get into this, so I hope you brought your A game. (laughs) And I wrote this before Sean got into his five-minute rebuttal on the podcast last week, but I just wanted to support his viewpoints since he isn't going to be around this week. (laughs) The reason... You can include the novels and audios in your 8th Doctor retrospective is because after the TV movie, the BBC released novels and comics about the 8th Doctor. Even though the 8th Doctor wasn't on TV, for all intents and purposes, Paul McGann was the current Doctor in official stories from 1996 until the new series revival in 2005. BBC Books took over over the novels from Virgin Publishing and released stories that could very well have been on television if Doctor Who was still on TV. Yes, they were still releasing past Doctor Adventure novels, but the 8th Doctor had his own range called the New 8th Doctor Adventures, maybe it was just 8th Doctor Adventures, but that's neither here nor there, and was considered 8th's continuing adventures after the events of the movie, and that book range effectively ended when the 9th Doctor took over on TV. So yes, you can certainly include the novels. The audios might be a little bit more tricky to justify, since those are the only other medium where Paul McGann himself has been able to expand upon the character he created in the TV. I think it counts just fine. And like the novels, 8 was considered the latest incarnation of the Doctor when he started with Big Finish in 2001. I don't think the revived TV show had been announced until a few years later. So So it absolutely counts. And it's not unfair to po- uh, to the past doctors to not include Big Finish, etc. in their retrospectives because you have a full television era to work with there. But it's unfair to limit the 8th Doctor to only the TV movie and think you can make a special exception here. I think you can make a special exception here. And before anyone asks, this information came, comes from the Doctor... Forever documentaries they've been putting on recent special edition DVD releases, particularly the one in the Ark and Space DVD, which talks about the novels, and the Visitation DVD, which talks about Big Finish. So I'm not just pulling this stuff out of nowhere. I I agree with you, and I'm I'm not going to contest. Listen, you kind of went back on yourself. I'm not going to. I did because I'm not going to contest you at all with this because I wholeheartedly agree with you that that is Paul McGann's era. For all intents and purposes, and I think you put it more eloquently than Sean attempted to put it last week, and I'm also not jumping in the middle of you trying to do it (laughs) while he was doing it, which was a little unfair to Sean. However, I think based on the fact, just to keep the the playing field level, and this is probably wasn't fair based on your right because we had a body of work for the others to do. But just based on the stamp that we had created for these, when we were asking people which particular televised stories were the best representation of the Doctor's era, we were only using TV. And that's where I was coming from with this. And you're right, because those eras exist, and we've even we've we've delved into those. So so Keith and our listeners have all had the opportunity to experience the Eighth Doctor if they wish yeah. in that era of what we have reviewed. The problem that I had with this, and it ultimately comes down to the Sixth Doctor, is because I was shoehorned into two seasons of what's the best personification of the Doctor. And if I can't retroactively include 
the big finish audios because you're saying it is not unfair to include those because or fair to include those because of where they're set and they weren't retroactively you do have to and i would have loved to have had a broader brush to paint with for the eighth or for the for the sixth, sixth doctor. doctor's era and unfortunately because i it's a little selfish of me but because i was shoehorned into that narrow which not is not nearly as narrow as Paul's. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but because I was shoehorned to that such a narrow era of the Doctor for the Sixth Doctor, I felt that it was appropriate to do the same for Eight. <laughs> and because... <laughs> well, and... The, because the, I have a much different opinion of the Sixth Doctor based on the audios than I do based on the television yeah. stuff. Well, that, and that's what I was going to say, is the fact that the audios paint six in a much better light than the television stories do. Well, I think they get sh- better stories, and he gets better portrayals, and they they think about the character a bit more than what they did on TV. I think. Well, and I think because they they would have allowed Colin Baker to find his footing as the Doctor. Yeah. It would have allowed the writers to find their find this Doctor and really give us a better representation of what he was on television. There was too much turmoil going on in that well, era. Yeah, and he and was, it was being reflected on air. And he was trying to keep his head low and not rock the boat. Yeah, and I, I recently listened to slight tangent, but it comes right back. Uh, the Verity episode, the Verity podcast episode, where they talked to Louise Jameson, and she had a very interesting line in there in the interview that Big Finish is so so great to work with because you can say to them hey, this line isn't quite right for the character, and then they will do that. They will they will adjust and change it. They recognize and that they know the character. Yeah, and so Colin could have had more say, and that's not something my doctor would have said, whereas he didn't get that in television. Right, right. So, so it, maybe that was a little unfair of me to be selfish and do that, but I still <laughs> come down on the side that because we because we set... the precedent i didn't feel that it was fair to make the exception to the rule in paul's case and maybe we should have because he really only got 90 minutes on television <laughs> less than 90 minutes yeah, because he's not in the whole seventh thing. doctor's there for the first 15 or 20 or so so yes no i i i come down on the exact i i can i can't dispute you at all because i agree with you in fact i think i told sean that i agree that this is <laughs> you, that was you, paul's you back era on step. there yeah. was paul's era and all of that that comes, but I think in that same ideal, anything that five, six, and seven did retroactively becomes their era, even though yes. they did it after. And I think you have to still count the Virgin New Adventures that came from seven on as part if, of if his era as yeah. well. Now, the reason I can't use that as much of a weight of an argument is because we have read some Paul McGann and listened to Paul McGann we haven't audios. read any we haven't read any Doctor. Seventh Doctor audio, or, uh, uh, novels so we were limiting ourselves <laughs> to stuff we'd already reviewed so I, that's that's harder to do but that being Which, said had we had new adventures that we had reviewed I wouldn't have allowed us to use well, those either yeah. because that to me even though that's Seventh Doctor's era up until he hands the reins off in the film 
that that could have been used had we been used and i would i would have put my foot down as well there and said no we're not allowed to do that because we now granted sylvester we got an even broader area to to work with as well but a bit more so that's why i came down on that yes it probably was unfair no i do not disagree with anything you've said here and your source material is i mean i'm glad you put it in there you didn't really need to because we Totally trust believe you. and trust you, <laughs> and I have seen some of that. I have seen some of these pieces that I've, I've, I've talked about. Uh, in fact, I talked about the Eighth Doctor's um, in print. What was the series that we they they do on? Uh, Sean came up with it. I can't remember now, but it's 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 a uh, it's what they do with with each Doctor that's been in comics, whether it be in the Radio Times or or IDW or in the middle there in Doctor Who magazine or the Marvel comics. It's it's strip for, strip for action. They've always done those, and I watched the strip for action for that, and I would consider everything in that strip for action uh, documentary that that they pointed to as his strips as part of the Eighth Doctor's era. So, I completely agree that he has an era. I just want to well, hopefully um, explain why I came down, and again, it might have been it's very selfish of me, but that's well, why again I came down on shoehorning that into the same thing we had done before. And to be fair to you, in our retrospectives, we've done the televised canon. I mean, we consider Big Finish and the novels canon also, but some people don't. canon is Chrissy calls it. I like that. So we we do the on-screen canon, and that's all we've done for retrospectives, and so that's all we did. Yeah. So I mean, you can throw the cannon card out there too. <laughs> exactly, and I apologize Granted, we, if we didn't, if that shorted eight for you that we didn't get to do that much. But I, I certainly appreciate. Uh, I'd hope all of our listeners know how out. much we love eight. Anyways. Yeah, I, and that's just it. I, and eight has done the same thing. Although I loved eight in the movie, and I thought Paul hit the ground running, and didn't. Ha- I don't think he had the same. Maybe issue and problem that Colin had because there wasn't a lot of controversy. Whether well, well, there ended up being, but I mean, there wasn't a lot of controversy surrounding his part and it, what he was having to put forth as the Doctor. Had the show continued, there yeah, might have well, been more controversy. I think before he came on board and after he yeah. left, there would have been. But, um, but I absolutely, yeah, I don't think we've we've hidden our love for no, eight based on all. all of the media that's been available to us. So, all right. She continues. Also, no, I've got another one that I have to apologize for. <laughs> Regarding the Prisoner of Time comic, back when we reviewed the comic for the Fifth Doctor, I mentioned that I didn't care for the artwork in that installment, and you all responded with how that was how comic books were, and it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> Since then, I basically ignored any problems I had with the artwork in the comics. Then you all go and dog on the artwork in the Eighth Doctor's installment of this range, which I didn't really like either, but I just ignored it along with all the other comments. Other ones. I just can't win with you guys. This is the one I feel really bad about, Chrissy, this because is... I didn't remember that until you said that, and I recalled doing that. I think the problem with that is, and this was unjust, just justly, and I'm not making excuses. There was but, such vehement hate for the story and well, the character. No, the Fifth Doctor comic still. I, I over the years I have read a lot of comics. I've read a lot of comic books, and I haven't read a lot lately. But I've read. I, I, I grew up reading comic books and I all the way up until college collected comic books all of the artwork that has been this is coming from my narrow view all of the artwork that's been portrayed so far was at least styles of comics that I was familiar with in the past okay uh-huh. so even the fifth doctor as poor as the artwork was done in it, it there was at least precedence for it there was several different comics that I had seen in that style and I think even got 
after Sean for the third or the second Doctor story, he was dogging on some of the artwork in that. We all dogged on the first story because it was so plain and simplistic. But (laughs) I have at least... We typically try to not dog on the art too much. Right, right. And And we were kind of railing Sean back last week. But... Because even yeah, I I I did my share of dogging on it too. But so where I'm coming from, and again, this isn't an excuse, and I, I feel bad that that, that <laughs> it kind of makes you you just can't feel like you just can't win. But I had at least seen all of those styles. This one was such a drastic departure from any style of comic book that I had seen, and the only, with the exception, I think said Grew the Wanderer was one of those comics that was the only. Of all of the comic styles I've ever seen in actual comic books, this was the furthest from it and was most like Sunday Funnies. Yeah. And so that's why I think we we were driving home the point of the art on this one. And I apologize <laughs> because you probably had a lot of, to say, obviously, about this one's artwork, but you stayed off of it because we kind of poo-pooed you off. And I apologize for that. And it wasn't even like cartoony like Bone is. Like you know that comic, but, but Bone's a good example of, of it of, falls in that grew the wanderer category where but, there's but a certain was, style a of it. It was a that actual, was actual comic, comic book. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. And Bone, yeah, Bone's kind of the it's, same it's, way. It's, it's clo- yeah. that's the closest thing yeah, to actual comic you can take it to. I didn't think of that. I wish I would have thought of that last. But week. I think the problem I, I see is is grew and Bone both. Well, from what I've seen, intentionally take that approach. Well, yeah. Because it, especially Bone, from what I've seen, is such an abstract idea of a story and right. otherworldly that you need that style for right. it to work properly. But when you have a medium like Doctor Who, where it's real world, and it's completely fine yeah. for an artist to take any sort of liberties they want, I I still think that. But I don't have to like it, oh, and, then yeah. I ha- and I can compare it to something else. And then, and because Gru and Bone both have that stylized, yeah. Um, to start with, and it, 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 it's appropriate within that. When you drop one Doctor Who story in <laughs> if, a lot of Doctor, Doctor Who comics, started yeah, like all this, the, it would if be all different. of them had been from that from the beginning, that was an artistic choice that they decided on at the beginning. This suddenly becomes weak because of that to me. And I again, I apologize, but whatever. <laughs> Chrissy, I can overlook the art in most of them, anyways. I try to focus on the story. You really do. That's commendable. Because. <laughs> Although there's some I haven't been able to read because I can, I didn't like the art, uh, some of the Frank Miller stuff. I know it's a sin of me to say this, but I could not stand his art style, so I could not. Re- I've never read the Dark Knight um, Returns. Returns, yeah, because I I don't, I don't like the way it's drawn. I, it took me a while to get used to Dark Knight Returns because I wasn't I didn't I don't like the simplicity of it. But yeah. and actually, I've heard the story is worth it once you get past the, the art. Phenomenal. But the problem is, is if you ever read Dark Knight Returns 2, and I'm not even sure that's what it's called, but it was a second set that he wrote like five years ago. The problem with that is the story is so bad (laughs) and the artwork is so bad. You can't get – at least with the first one, you got past the artwork because the story was so good. (laughs) This time it was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) So it was horrid. But anyway. uh, Sorry, Frank. (laughs) I know you listen. I'll I'll probably get hate mail for that. The story's uh, phenomenal, though. Chrissy continues. Anyway, the book reviews. I did get Earthworld read, and yes, it's spelled with a capital W in the middle. To be fair, I read it for my librarian in the TARDIS blogging project. I'll just share a few thoughts I had on this one because I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like I said earlier, 
The eighth Doctor novels were written more or less in place of a TV show revival for the TV movie and didn't didn't result in an actual series. The writers just took the Doctor and created the same kinds of stories they would slash could have written for TV, which meant that the novels were written in fairly linear in a fairly linear way and built upon each other. Because of that, I imagine that it was probably difficult for the powers to be to select one specific novel to represent the Eighth Doctor when they were putting together this special 50th anniversary book collection. It's hard for me to say if this was the very best choice since I haven't read all the Eighth Doctor novels, but I think this was a fantastic choice. It's obviously the on- only the second story with Angie as a companion, but because of the first few the first few chapters are told from her point of view, we get a very thorough understanding of how traveling with the Eighth Doctor is. Angie's inner thoughts are highly detailed and serve as a wonderful bridge between the reader and the story. So when this team TARDIS splits up and the story f- follows, fits around for a while, the reader doesn't totally feel lost because Angie has already set the stage for further plot development. It's very clear... It's a very clever way to craft a story, especially since the writer was starting what amounts to a new season with a new companion. Just a couple random thoughts. Jacqueline Rayner is probably my favorite Doctor Who novelist, so I was thrilled when I saw that one of her books was included in this 50th anniversary reprint range. I also enjoyed the concept of another planet building a theme park that features eight Earth's different historical time periods, even if they don't didn't get them right didn't get them all right. Astronauts using gas lamps, for instance. Asia, Africa, and Antarctica are very effective and very creepy villains. Cute little princess-type girls who enjoy causing murder and mayhem. It doesn't get much creepier than that. And yes, I'm including clowns in that statement. (laughs) The story as a whole was really good and just a lot of fun. If anyone wants to read my entire review, it's on her blog. She includes a link to that. And I will add it to the show notes. I haven't read Trading Futures, mostly because I don't own a copy. So I'll close this up and look forward to Keith's review of that and whatever else you guys have planned for your first Sean Light episode in the Vortex. Bye for now. Chrissy. Well, Chrissy, if you're interested in reading Trading Futures, uh, ebooks are available through Amazon. I don't know if you go... I, don't, I can't remember if Chrissy's taken a stance on ebooks. The librarian that she is. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. We've talked about it before because I, I became a very early adopter of yeah. ebooks, uh, and I forget I have them with me. <laughs> even though I'm a bibliophile. Um, but there's some people that just like that physical book. In That's one other thing so. I did. I went to the Friends of the Library book sale. Oh yeah, you know I forgot that was this weekend. I didn't or buy I totally gone. Yeah, I didn't see any. I, the last I, couple I, years I've gone. I've become so picky up. on my book selection mm-hmm. because it's at a point where unless I'm searching for new contents. I'm not going to buy a book. I, I, I've always, when I bought books, it's always been, I read this book, I really liked it, mm-hmm. I want to own it. Because there's so many ways to Because I just go to the library. Check out books, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I've, so, I've yeah. grown up in the library, so I always well, run, and, and I'm running out of space. It's just yeah, living in a small apartment, <laughs> yes. you don't have a lot of room, it totally We're, makes sense. We, I, I used to have thousands of books, and we I've now finally just sent my last box of books off to my aunt and uncle oh, because... Wow. We just once we had kids, we ran out of room. So they just—that's one of the first things that went out of my collection, and that's one of the reasons I absolutely love eBooks. Is I can have all of those books I love now at 
my whim. Yeah, and I see the read them at any time. I just forget about it. I have one on my phone, and although you don't have an e-reader yet, though, I think no, you had an e-reader. Maybe if I had a device, and it was more accessible yeah. and easier, and had a larger <laughs> print. Although to be fair, what's more accessible than my phone that well, I have with me everywhere? By accessible, <laughs> I mean larger print, easier to yeah. you know. It, it, it's kind of small on there. But yeah, it's a small phone. Depends on how much you read, I suppose, on your phone. Sometimes people get used to it. And they do. Then that. I'm going to have to. Uh, Expand up to the top shelf because my Game of Thrones <laughs> books aren't even on the bookshelf. Yeah, I saw they're sitting there on a pile. Well, uh, we're we're getting this wall a wall painted eventually, oh. so I'm waiting because I gotta pull the bookshelf off this wall mm-hmm. and take all the books off anyways. They're so. only painting that wall. Yeah, it's an accent wall. You're painting it, or no, they, they are? are. Oh, they the offices. Are. Oh, wow! As part so of our taking that lease in. renewal. Ah, all right. Well, yeah. there you go. So that'll be fun one week. We'll get high from hate fumes. <laughs> oh, I can't come over here. I'm allergic to paint fumes. Oh, no. I'm Actually, have to record certain, certain, certain I don't. Paints. I think I'll be all right. I still haven't heard from him on about it. So, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Next up, feedback-wise, Holly. Holly writes, 143. Oh, she knows what episode we're on. We were debating it before the show. <laughs> Actually, we weren't debating it. We just couldn't remember for sure. Trading spaces in an earth world. Holly writes, Hi, guys. Great last podcast. Sean, I'm hoping that you're having a great time in Hawaii. On to the reviews. Trading Futures. An interesting look with a lot of time travel, rogue time agents, and the Doctor, Fitz, and Anji racing against the clock. Milady was quite the interesting character. At first I thought we really couldn't trust her, and then later on in the book, when she helps the Doctor to right some of the wrongs that were made, made me feel a little bit better about her. Baskerville and Cosgrove were also another interesting pair. We get some pop culture references, a mention of Neverland, and at the first and at the first, the Neverland that came to my mind was the second star to the right and straight on till morning. Neverland and not Michael Jackson's Neverland. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz really does a good job of impersonating the doctor when he gets captured by the honors. On ears? I'm not sure how you pronounce that, honestly. O N I H R S. On ears? On on ears? Yeah. On ears? On ears? I, I, I refrain from saying honors because it's, it's to not, me that doesn't. Yeah. Well, uh, but on ears. Okay, we'll just go there. It's one of those sci fi names. It's one of those ones that if I was reading that novel, I probably would have looked at it and said, okay, that's just what that word is. You yeah, know, I don't, that's what I, I, don't, I did. Don't read it in your head. That's just you, that's one of those sight words. Um, who from their description remind me of the Dune, maybe they're distant. Relation. Oh, there you go. Uh, I this is it. Are they kind of rhino esque? Oh, they're they're anthropomorphized. Ah, rhinos. well, see, there you I, go. I thought, oh, they, maybe they are a distant th- relation. I, I didn't make that connection that they could have been distant relations. I just thought, oh, they they've already done this they, before. Before may, the new series may, even may, came back, may, yeah. they've done this before. <laughs> maybe it was an influence. Maybe that, that's what I wondered if somebody had read. Trading oh, papers. oh, nurses, rhinos backwards with the s displaced. Oh, you're right. R H I N O. And then the S. That's is a very sci-fi thing to do. Yeah. Because well, it's single would be an owner yeah. without an S. An owner's. Yeah. I'll be darned. Well, there you go. <laughs> wow. I read this entire book with everything <laughs> featured in this, and I didn't. <laughs> okay. That's all right. It's a sci-fi thing. This is the first book that I have read with Angie and, Fr- and Fitz. I keep wanting to call him Fritz. Fitz as the Doctor's companions, and I have to say that I enjoyed them both. The author did a really good job, I think, of capturing the Eighth Doctor's voice. When I was reading this dialogue, I could hear Paul McGann's voice in my mind read the, reading those lines. Earthworld. An interesting novel. Fitz and Angie and the Doctor wind up back on Earth, or is it Earth? 
For an earlier Anji and Fitz adventure, it was a good one. Makes me want to go back and find the novel that happened before this and the Doctor losing his memories. Kind of reminded me a little bit of the war games at the beginning of the book. I also think that we get a nod to the war machines uh, that we did, as well as the postal delivery system. Excuse me, yeah, as well with the postal delivery system that Earthworld has in place. Asia, Africa, and Antarctica were quite the interesting trio of sisters. I found it rather interesting that the group that Anji teamed up with was her namesake. Fitz finally gets to hit the big time and. I think realizes that it might not been all it was cracked up to be. The fight scene between him and Elvis and the Elvis impersonator was interesting. There were corridor chases, captures, and escapes to be had in this novel. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on these two books. Holly from Wisconsin. Thanks for writing in, Holly. Yes. We will get to our thoughts in a moment. In but a moment. first, we actually got a little bit of late feedback. We got a bit of audio so let's take a listen. Aloha, fellow Vortexians, defenders of and all points. Well, used to here. Hey, it's Sean calling in with some uh, last-minute feedback. I just wanted to say hi to all of my friends and listeners, guys. It's been uh, a long year in Um <laughs> My first one missed, and I, I'm, I'm just a little off. It's uh, kind of been nagging at me all day. I didn't get to do much today. Well, I mean, not that we didn't do much. We went to the, we went to the pool. But, uh, you know, just uh, have felt a little off, and I think it was because I knew this moment was coming. Um, I hope you guys are having fun. I hope it's a good cast. I look forward to listening to it. Uh, I did not get my homework done. Big surprise there. Uh, I started reading uh, an Ace Doctor novel myself, uh, Endgame by Terrence Hicks, and uh, got distracted on the airplane. Because uh, being such a long flight from Phoenix to uh, Maui, they uh, actually gave us a couple movies. And so I got to see the internship with uh, Owen Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn, which was cute, pretty standard. Uh, you know, if you saw the preview for it, you know exactly how that one's going to turn out, and you would not be surprised by anything in it. But it was all right. And then uh, they showed Hitchcock. The uh, one with Anthony Hopkins and um, Helen Mirren about uh, the making of Psycho. Phenomenal movie. I will totally be buying that one when I get back into town because it was great and I loved it. Uh, just fantastic performances, a, fan, uh, a great story, a uh, really good movie. Um, it's only about, uh, I think about a little after six here, local time. The sun has just sunk into the Pacific. I'm standing on top of my brother's house. Uh, he's got a, a, de- a roof, a decktop roof, from which you can see uh, um, Kihei, which is the city that he lives in, uh, right on the, uh, the coast. He's, he's literally two blocks from the beach, and uh, so from his rooftop you can see um, the West Maui Mountains. You can see the ocean. You can see the neighboring island of Lanai and a fantastic view of the sunsets. And he sits up here just about every day. I'm surrounded by uh, beauty and palm trees, and uh, he's growing pineapples. I've decided I'm going to uh, quit my job and and become a pineapple farmer. Uh, Interesting factoid, apparently it takes two years to grow one pineapple. They don't do much of it here in Maui anymore. It's all sugar cane because, well, you know, 
you could devote uh, two years to one pineapple, or you could uh, probably get about eight sugarcane crops in about seven months. So they, they, they kind of gave up on the coast. On the I will wrap this up, but I uh, didn't want to leave you hanging. So uh, I, I know everybody was all kinds of excited over the uh, – uh, I will not send prank feedback to traveling the vortex message that uh, was posted. And everybody's asking, I can't wait to hear the story, can't wait to hear the story. So here officially is the story. Okay, are you ready? Are you all seated? Dr. Phil, I hope you're not driving. Okay, here we go. There's no story. I found the meme generator and thought it was pretty cool. So uh, that made sense to me to do that. And then apparently everybody thought that, wow, that's amazing and that there must be a huge, no, there's there's nothing. I just thought it was funny. Sorry to burst your bubble, kids. For now, I will uh, wish all of our listeners a, uh, a very uh, a warm wishes and mahalo, which means thank you. So mahalo for listening. And uh, aloha. I will talk to you later. This is Sean signing off. All right. So yeah, uh, sounds like he's having a good holiday. Yeah, he called us to basically rub in all the great things that he's <laughs> As doing. If the and pictures weren't beautifully, enough. Beautiful Hawaii. Uh, I wish you could be there. I didn't know it took two years to grow a pineapple. Didn't either. <laughs> Granted, you could I think plant, I'd grow sugar cane as well. <laughs> you could plant the crops stair stepped so that each year you would have a crop. Mm-hmm. It would just take two years to start. Right, right. Once you got started, you'd be fine. you just start, you know, leapfrogging each, yeah. each harvest. Assuming you so. had enough space. I'm sure that's what Dole does. I mean, oh, they have yeah, they to. have I mean, to. It's, it's like a Christmas tree farm. You know, the, the Christmas trees that you plant this year aren't going to be ready to harvest in, for, you know, another seven, eight yeah. years. So. I guess I won't be trying to grow a pineapple. <laughs> I don't think we're in the right climate anyway. I don't think we are either. I'm kind of disappointed that there's no story to that because we didn't know. You know, I'll either. tell you, I I didn't think there was a story because I thought for certain you and I would be on to it or, or be we, privy to we, it. We, but no. we obviously responded that we had no idea. But then later but I, in the week we got spam. We did get spam, didn't we, later in the week? I, forgot <laughs> I thought, that. oh, uh, maybe that's what it was. It wasn't necessarily spam, spam, but it was, yeah, it was... It could be qualified as spam, not the canned ham kind either. But I, I, the way that it was done, I thought, oh, Sean just found a toy and <laughs> turned something out. So I, I suspected that's what the case was, but I wasn't going to say that. I wanted him to explain. So, and I was right. So. Yeah. Well, very good, Sean. Well, we will uh, actually hear from Sean again later yep. in the podcast, and I will edit that together so that nobody will know that you ran out of time on the first voicemail call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to leave voice Good to know, there's only a three-minute limit. <laughs> yeah, well, and Odd Duck sent some earlier, and apparently he got in underneath because oh, his was like two-something. Yeah. yeah. So, All right, very good. Well, let's move on to the reviews of our books. Earthworld. Angie has just had the worst week of her life. She should be back at her desk, not traveling through time and space in a police box. The Eighth Doctor is supposed to be taking her home. So why are there dinosaurs outside? The Doctor doesn't seem to know either. Or else he surely would have mentioned the homicidal princess, teen terrorists, and mad robots? (laughs) One thing is certain. Angie is never going to complain about Monday mornings in the office again. Uh, Dun, dun, dun! Sorry, I almost (laughs) almost forgot that we do that for reviews. Um... Great story. Um, 
it's funny that I start that out in the dun 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 because it's one of those stories that it, number one, this feels like a mid classic series television adventure to me. Oh. Um, in that sense, it's because to me, it's like one of those four uh, episode stories where we don't get a lot done until that final <laughs> chapter, that final episode. But that's okay because I think that I'll address while I, why, why I question why they chose this one for the 50th anniversary run because this was re-released recently, earlier this year. Yes. Because what they did is they picked a novel or a story, a novelization, a novel or a novelization of all of the Doctor's era. Uh, I, I found it weird that the one was a novelization because that was the only one. Uh, seventh is. Yeah, yeah, that was the only one. And um, they have so many other books. Well, yeah, but I wonder if the – well, maybe it suffers from this. But I, 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 I'll, I'll readdress that later. But I, I wondered why this was, was chosen for this one. But um, it's a good story. Um, fortunately, I had some back information already on Angie and Fitz because back when I reviewed Crooked World, Angie and Fitz were actually part of, a part of that story. So I got to know Angie and Fitz through um, Crooked World and, and their characters and who they were. Um, but I think this book does a nice, a nice job because this book actually picks up right after Angie's been introduced uh, in, the, in the story prior to this. And I don't remember the, the name of it. Um, but uh, 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 it does a nice job of, of kind of giving – some explanation of who she is, where she's from, that she's kind of been dropped into these adventures uh, based on a situation that has happened prior. And you don't get a lot of information of what happened other than you get just enough to kind of know who she is. You know that uh, uh, she has just left an adventure where, spoilers, her boyfriend has died. Um, oh. she, yeah. And so well, she's a lot of references to her boyfriend in mind. She's so. automatically dealing with that, but they do a really nice job of exploring her character, um, throughout most of this. And then later on we get, we get little pieces of Fitz as we go on. And then later on, they sort of try to do the same thing with Fitz by giving us more information, but Fitz is more of this enigma, and Fitz with 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 Angie, it made me want to go back and just maybe read that one story because I wanted to know what happened, how she ended up on the TARDIS, and what happened to her boyfriend. That was simply all I needed to know about back yeah. to her. That was the only thing that was questionable beyond this book because I felt this really fleshed her character out. The well, problem with Fitz is so. now later we get kind of the same info dump with Fitz, but his is very skirt the surface and very elusive to what he really is and who he really is. Mm. And without giving us enough information of what's happened prior, which, no, I understand, as Chrissy pointed out, that the Eighth Doctor adventures were very serialized, meaning they they really kind of just continued and picked up and built on as they went through the, the, the series. So had I started this from point A and got to this point, it probably would have been a lot more beneficial. But that doesn't detract from the story much at all. It just really kind of whets your appetite for what happened. But I think that's that's why it's interesting that they picked this one because it it does a really good job of introducing you to one companion, but it doesn't do a very to me, in my opinion, doesn't do a very good job of fleshing out the second companion. You kind of get the basis of who he is and what he's like. But um, fortunately, I knew a little bit more about Fitz from a 
further down the road adventure. So uh. I kind of felt like I already knew Fitz, but I was a little worried for the, the, the new reader that had never <laughs> read any uh, of those novels. Um, but it's it's a basic really it's a it's a run capture escape run capture escape story for the first probably two thirds of it, um, <laughs> especially especially for Fitz yeah. Um, but it, they're plopped down on a, a planet, uh, New Jupiter is the name of the planet, and it is they 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 fall into or land in a futuristic. I guess I could say futuristic amusement park that's tailored based on Earth. Well, now when they get there, they don't realize where they're at, so they're very confused because they're running into Neanderthal. Yeah, they're running into Neanderthal man first and dinosaurs, and they they wonder. I think Fitz uh, uh, wonders if it's a parallel universe or it's the Earth of the past. The Doctor still really has very unsurety of what it is, and Angie's just kind of thrown into the story. And I agree with Holly, I, I'm glad she pointed this out, that I felt like it had a little bit of this uh, War Games feel to it, because what was happening was we find out that there are d- barriers that divide the different eras of Earth history. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's, it's reminiscent, reminiscent of Earth history, but the uh, artists of this world really get it wrong. <laughs> they, they, they have a lot of things that are, are very... Uh, not <laughs> right as far as Earth. They just they got out. It reminds me of uh, um, uh, Voyage of the Damned, where the historian that is taking them on the tour has a lot of the things about Earth oh, wrong. Yeah. And they're talking about the Christmas story and Santa Claus. You know, comes across as this bad guy. And I mean, it's just it's 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 kind of that same same idea that they've just gotten the facts wrong. Um, but uh, the Doctor and Anji get separated from Fitz, and Fitz ends up coming across our antagonists, who are Africa, Asia, and Antarctica. And uh, they are triplet daughters of New Jupiter's president. And essentially, there's a mystery going on because uh, people who are visitors to this world are ending up dead. And there is a group of three terrorists who have been arrested that Anji and the Doctor meet up with. And they're young boys, and they're really not very good terrorists, I should say. (laughs) But... um, I think something that bothered me about this book is that the, the, the three boys really had a lot of potential and, and I wanted to I was interested for them to develop their character, but we really we kind of end up uh, losing two we don't lose them, they're not, they don't die, but we kind of we, we taper them off and two of them actually go off and we end up with one of them staying with Anji who kinda of carries a torch mm. uh, for Anji, <laughs> has a little bit of a crush on Anji. But uh, I really I think that the book falls down in the fact that I think that the author really kind of felt Jacqueline Rayner, who, who did a fantastic job with this. By the way, she writes an intro to this, talking about this being her first book. And in her introduction, she's very apologetic for <laughs> the book because she doesn't feel like it's as good as it could have been. And she says, you know, as you read it, you might see why. Really, I can see some of the things that I think you wish you'd done differently or or were you thought were weak, but... Jacqueline, this was a great start. You did a wonderful job. So I, I can't falter at all. And she didn't need to be as apologetic in the intro as, as she was about it. And as Chrissy said, she's her favorite yeah. author. I, I, she's done The Stone Rose, I think, was one of them. Um, she's done a couple other ones. But uh, uh, I haven't read anything that Jacqueline's yeah. done beyond this. And, and it, it's a darn shame that she hasn't written a story for TV because she really has. She has the, the, the characters which were already created in this world, she I think she had a great grasp of them. I think she's probably part of the reason Anji really kind of gets fleshed out 
for the authors that will follow her mm-hmm. in this line. Um, she's fits. She's got fits down. She wrote the Marion Conspiracy. Oh, right. The, the, that's right. the big finish one. That's right. So. Uh, oh, we, and I think we, we did discuss that because we got her confused with the gal that wrote Evolution of the Daleks and yes. Daleks. Yes, yes, we did. So, uh, back, back then. Um, where was I? Oh, but we've got this these three teenage, I say they're teenager, young uh, terrorists, but we, we it's almost like she realized that she had too many characters going on here for where she was going. And mm-hmm. so we kind of dumped two of them off and, and saved one. And, I, and I, I'm glad they saved the one that they did because she's he's a very interesting and fun little character and a good buffer for a lot that's going on here because there's there needs to be a lot of comedic value to this and in fact i think that's the reason why we stay very light on the fact that the earth facts are very wrong or or they're not going to say they're very wrong they're just slightly wrong in many ways and it makes it funny and and light uh-huh. And I think she does that in a sense because it does get very weighty and heavy because there's a lot of death in this. They talk mm-hmm. about a lot of death. Um, the girls, the antagonists, uh, Asia, Antarctica, and Africa are very dark. I mean, they're they're these just they're these little girls that relish in uh, death and blood and um, torture. <laughs> and, but there's a, there's a reason behind that because they have allegedly killed their mother in the past. And they've been locked away by the president because he was so in love with his wife and, and was so distraught. But you know, these are girls that had to be uh, heirs to the throne or heirs to the presidency. And so basically they really kind of get shunted because of this. And that probably – you get the impression that kind of draw, drives their morbidity, that, that that's the reason why they become kind of the characters they are. There's more that leads into it. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to go up to the end and spoil this book because I want a lot of people to read this because it is accessible. Oh, but yeah. I don't – because I think before we've walked people through we, we, the story and I don't want to give up some of the ending because it gets really great. But I'm going to touch on a lot of the great points of the book. But anyway – uh, we do come to find out that they are not the ones that are uh, who they think they are because there are actually several different clones or, or copies that are android copies of these girls. And so there's huh. some confusion as to who the real girls really are. And what has happened is since they had been locked up at one point, they've made android copies of themselves to replace themselves where they're basically <laughs> locked up. And they have gone into Earthworld and they're kind of running and ruining things there. Um, so... We have this 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 whole confrontation where Fitz ends up being with the girls for the majority of the time. Um, there are these wonderful moments where uh, I think it's Antarctica is uh, kind of the she has pets and one of her pets is a uh, an alligator called Princess Leia. There's a lot of pop culture references. <laughs> they drop all kinds of pop culture references. But at one point she makes Fitz her pet. And she wants Fitz to perform. And Fitz is a former performer on Earth, and I think Chrissy pointed this out as well. But uh, he was kind of always overshadowed by other performers and never really made it big. And uh, there is a wonderful – they have an Elvis impersonator that they capture, and uh, that was her first uh, pet that uh, was performing for her. And they do end up having to square off in a duel to the death to see which one will continue to be her uh, entertainment, essentially. And that's that's a a, a fantastic – uh, showdown uh, and and as the king the king of earth as they think the king was the king they think instead of the king of pop they think he was actually the king of earth uh, the king of earth as he is uh, <laughs> as he as he was written 
the dialogue was very caricature and over the top, but mm-hmm. I could so hear Elvis's voice in my head <laughs> as, as this guy was speaking. So that was a lot of fun. Um, it ends on a very grave note and very heavy. The the, the mm. battle royale ends up being um, ending very to very, the death. Yes, to the death. Unfortunately for us, it's not Fitz that has to do it, but uh, ah. I won't give much away there. Um, I think one of the downfalls of this book is I think Jacqueline Rayner has the eighth doctor. I think she has the flavor, the taste, the tone. I think he is perfect in this. Unfortunately, where we're coming from is at some point before this story, he has lost his memory. Mm. And so we spend a lot of time of him discovering that he can still use the sonic screwdriver. He doesn't really know how, but when it comes necessary to do it, he does. He just does it. Would would that memory loss be from um, the eight doctors? Well, not, according to this list, eight doctors was the first novel. I read the eight doctors, and because I remember you doctors, talking about, and how he, he does he, have a memory loss at the beginning of that. But if I remember eight doctors by the end, and he has visited all of his past incarnations by the end of it, he has regained most of the knowledge of who he is. Oh, okay. And so I get the impression that something has happened between book one and book, what is this, 43 or something like that, in that Eighth Doctor range. I get the, the impression that, that there something has happened again because mm-hmm. they allude to some things that happened to Fitz that requires in the story the Doctor Who to have lost his memory. So, uh, And I don't want to get into that too much because that was one of the things that I think because Fitz wasn't, fleshed out well enough in this is because things have happened in the past that you really could assume tell. you know yeah. the well, history. Well, yes, because if you were reading these, you should be reading these later. You should know it. And they don't get fleshed out here because you should already know it, and yeah, they don't want to have to kind of rediscover some of that information as assuming well. Assuming these are in order. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't my, my thought I think was unfounded because there's so many books I think in there's 40-something, because he's had... Uh, Fitz is almost there from the beginning. First it was Sam, then it was Fitz, then it was uh, Sam, or so then, yeah, it was, I'm sorry, it was Sam and, Sam, Fitz comes along, so it's Sam and Fitz for a while, and then there was a companion, I think after Sam left, then there was a companion called Compassion. Compassion leaves shortly before Angie's introduced. Angie and Fitz are in there for a long period of time, and then beyond yeah. that, there's some other companions as well. And mm-hmm. I think there's some revisits at the very end of the run, which makes me want to go back now and read the entire Eighth Doctor yeah. run, which fortunately now I have the first one out of the way. I need to go to the, the second one in the series, but that's the bad thing about this, is if you can't find these on Amazon as ebooks, which I don't know if all of them are available. Oh, yeah, I don't know if they are either. Um, it's really kind of tough to jump around these Eighth Doctor audios. And a lot, like we, Sean and I were talking, we saw at Gallifrey, some of these Eighth Doctor books were like, you know, 50 and 60 bucks for yeah. paperbacks. I mean, that's crazy. Anyway, back to Earthworld, and it is, Chrissy, you're right, it's Earthworld with capital E and a capital W, but it's one word. <laughs> so, and it's it's very evident in print in there. That's kind of um, weird. But anyway, so we have these scuffles, and and, and, and I'm the, the Eighth Doctor is uh, spot on, and I could hear him in my head, and I read him as the Eighth Doctor. The problem with this book is I feel like there's just not quite enough Eighth Doctor in it. There is, mm-hmm. but the, there's so much uh, focus on the companions and what's going on there that it's really the, the study of the companions and less of the Eighth Doctor because the Eighth Doctor is the one that kind of is is solving the mystery as we go. And fortu- unfortunately for our companions, being separated so much in this story, he's figuring this out as we go along, and he's having to deal with the... Uh, the backlash and what's happening, and, and he's having to kind of 
help the president of New Earth discover what unraveled this mystery as well. Because he can't just out and out say what has happened. He has to let the president uh-huh. figure it out for himself. Because I think if he doesn't, he I mean, the, the doctor's already been, uh, and Anji have been addressed as terrorists. As a matter of fact, Anji's wearing a piece of jewelry from, I believe it was her boyfriend, that is her name. And one of the reasons she's arrested is because... Um, the group of terrorists that I referred to earlier, their name is Anji. Oh. A-N-G-I, which stands for, and I wish I'd have wrote this down because I can't remember exactly, but it's like the something Jupiter. Uh, shoot. I'll have to come back to it later because I can't remember exactly what it stood for. But their acronym spells Anji, so that's the reason uh. why they think Anji is part of this group, part of this terrorist group. And if, then, you know, guilt by association, the doctor happens to be with her. Um, so... It's. It really feels like, as I said earlier, it feels like a Doctor Who story on television. It feels like four parts, and not a lot goes on. I mean, there's a lot that happens, and we have these these moments, and we have these um, capture and escapes that happen, and there's a lot of great, fun things going on there, and we're unraveling this mystery as we go, and we're learning about the twins or the triplets' mother. We're learning about the triplets' father. There's another character that's introduced who is the um, uh, engineer, chief engineer of. Uh, um, Earth world or of New Jupiter, which is basically the uh, president's side, you know, secondhand guy. He's kind of made maybe the second in charge oh. as well. And so we learn a lot about them as we unravel this as well. Uh, we find out about the girls' past and why they are who they are, what they are, and then we get into this wonderful, which I thought was the best part of the book. And part of it's because it centers around falsely. Ref- falsely relayed Arthurian legend. So it's not bad enough that the Arthurian (laughs) legend on Earth has been built up and uh, embellished and changed from what actually probably happened in early Anglo-Saxon times. But now we've got an alternate version of that. So we've got Lancelot is... Lancelot. I mean, it, that one wasn't much. Guinevere was pretty much the th- same, except for she was spelled quite differently. Um, they had an Arthur, but but what happens is they all they ultimately have to the girls. I kind of remember what the girls were because they were Mort. What's the character in Arthurian legends? Mortleth. Mortleth. I'm not familiar with that uh, character. Should I have some of these notes prepared? <laughs> They're her name. They're his name, but they are because <laughs> they got it wrong. They're Mort Lay and whatever his last name is. Shane, maybe Lashane. Was it Mort Lashane? That's that sounds familiar. Anyway, so they they basically are three characters in one. Um, but the Doctor Anji and Fitz have to kind of play along and play their game because the mm-hmm. the, the, the the triplets are very adept at. That they 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 fancy Earth because that's all they've been brought up with is this uh-huh. idea of Earth, and so uh, I think Antarctica is like her favorite section is the the twentieth uh, um, century section because that's where all the pop stars and rock and all that stuff was. And oh, they talk about Coca Cola vending machines on every street corner, <laughs> and they have actual cocaine in them. And <laughs> just, oh, I, I, I would be remiss to mention that the war machines are mentioned in this, or alluded to, and uh, the Yeti as well is, oh. is walking around 20th century London. Oh, um, no, as it but does. it did, yes. <laughs> At one point, in the underground. Um, 
but uh, they have to kind of play along because the the girls have lived these they live these fantasies essentially day after day. They love blood sport. Um, they have these. You know, at one point, they have a uh, gladiator ring with a lion and, and a Christian, and they throw the Christian to the lions essentially, and they 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 relish in that. And so the doctor realizes they kind of have to play in order to subdue them. They have to play their game. And the interesting thing is is that we've got all of these androids that are running around playing a lot of these parts of Earthworld. It's very you know uh, future world mm-hmm. or Westworld or Jurassic Park even. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's all of that mashed up because we've got these different eras. Like Westworld had, you know, was Future World had all these different mm-hmm. um, sections of a park that you could do, go and live out your fantasies. Jurassic Park then took that to another level, being prehistoric. That's kind of what Earthworld is. It's, so it's, it's all mashed It's together. a way yeah. for um, people to come that you know live on New Jupiter to come and see what it's like on Earth. Which they kind of give the impression that this is a colony that. Uh, came from Earth, and the Earth is still kind of its, you know, uh, dictator and ruler, and, and the president's kind of the governorship over this new Jupiter. Hmm. And uh, the terrorists, basically, they, they're they trying, they, they, they detest Earth, and they kind of want to separate from Earth, and they believe in a pure new Jupiter idea, mm-hmm. so that we get kind of those ideas. But those aren't explored well enough, and that's one uh. thing that I feel... Kind of gets left out in this book, but anyway, there's this wonderful Arthurian showdown uh, where they have to play the parts. And beyond that, I don't want to get too much into it. But the Doctor has a chance to regain his memories, and mm. there is some uh, because a mystery is getting ready to be unraveled. Uh, there's some interplay that that causes the machine to be destroyed. That was another thing that I thought was interesting is we've got these girls and we're exploring the character of these girls and then we keep plopping in this machine that they have that they can use to basically look into the memories of people. And at one point they use it on Fitz and give us a revelation that I think if you'd read the novels before you would have already known this because Uh. it's happened in the story. But we get a revelation based on Fitz on who he is and his background a little bit. And... They kept plopping this machine in there that these girls have that they're using. And I kept thinking, this is so weird because you've got these girls that are, you know, they, they, they love bloodlust. They love blood sport. They, they, they just, there's these really dark and they live on morbid things. And then they keep popping this machine in and saying, well, we can get your memories and whatnot. And it, it's useful and, it's, and it, it, it makes sense that it's there. But they kept feeling like they focus on this machine too much. And then the machine really comes into play later. Uh, so it, it, it's one of those where you, you get to these parts and you kind of really feel like, well, this just seems out of place, but there's a purpose for it, yeah. and we get to it eventually. Um, overall, I highly recommend this book. Um, I, unlike Chrissy, am not sure that this would have been the one I would have picked, though, for number eight in this series. And that's where I was going to come back and address this, because... I, I, I have read very few. I read Crooked World and I read uh, The Eight Doctors. And looking at Crooked World, even though you don't get a lot of exploration of Anji and Fitz, based on their portrayal in that story, you get just enough that you need to know about those companions that it really is a better standalone story mm-hmm. than this one is. And I feel like that if you were going to do something... And I can only use Crooked World as an example, but I assume there must be other ones out there that aren't as reliant on the overall story arc yeah. as this one feels to be. So I am I think as a reader you can come into this, and I think I had the benefit of already knowing Fitz and Angie from, from 
I don't want to say prior adventures, but a prior book I had read. <laughs> and so I, I I came into it a little better. But I think the average reader could come in and, and get enough enjoyment out of this. But I still am perplexed a little bit to, to, to find out why they chose this particular story and not something that I think could have been even more self hmm. Uh, unless Crooked World, I mean, a lot of people point to that because it's so farcical, because it's oh, cartoons yeah. you know, and whatnot. Um, that could be part of the reason. But it's interesting that they chose this one. Uh, even though it's it's such a good read, I don't, well, I don't it, know. It, it probably does help that, as you said, it flushes out Angie more as a character and, well, and then gives the taste of, oh, I want to go back and try to find these older copies. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, but I, I think mean, that's the problem I find with this line is... You shouldn't have to rely well, on going back and finding copies of things that essentially are out of print. Yeah, that's that's the thing that bothers me the most about this is that a lot of those are unavailable unless they are becoming available based well, on BBC Books or based on the yeah. e-reader. Uh, Amazon releasing a lot of that on e-reader now. So I don't know how many others or you can even do a search. But I, I do recommend it. I, I, I don't think you would be too lost. I do think Angie gets flushed out really, really well in this book. Um, Fitz is the one that disappoints me the most because it makes me want to go back and find more. Uh-huh. And I will. And I, I'm excited about that, that it gave me a taste to go back. But if that availability is limited, yeah, then it, it seems strange that they would pick that. Um, the Eighth well, Doctor. A, a real quick uh, sure. search on Amazon. For trading futures and customers who also bought this, also bought, there are quite a few Eighth Doctor ebooks available. They are ebooks, okay. Yeah, uh, right. Father Time, uh, Gallifrey Chronicles, The Eighth Doctors, Infinity Doctors. Well, see, Eighth Doctors was one of those ones that was like eighty bucks at one time, so that's good uh, that that's going to bring that cost yeah, it's, down. It's only six thirty nine. Oh, good, terrific. Well, e-book. I'm glad a lot more of that's available because, based on this and and Crooked World and Eight Doctors, I will go back and read a lot more of Paul McGann's uh, Eighth Doctor Adventures because they're, uh, so far, they've not disappointed. So, and this one, like I say, you can get this one real easily because this is one of the ones in the uh, 50th anniversary line that they're re releasing. So, go out and pick it up. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to go too deep because I don't want to spoil because really the, the ending is. Another thing I should say is this is one of those stories that really feels like you're wrapping things up about midpoint. And it, uh, was, it was strange to go, Where can, I've got half a book yet to read. <laughs> Where can they go from here? And then they really get off the ground and go. Those and are so, some of my, the best books. Yeah. And so that, and that's why I say I, this really feels like it would have worked well for television because at the point we're resolving one problem, we cliffhang into another one. Mm-hmm. And that's... It, it really could have worked well for television. Hmm. I'll have to give that one. Maybe ambitious, read. but it could have worked. For television. <laughs> it probably would have fallen down a little bit on the production side then. Well, then if you're done, I will move on I'm to uh, trading futures. I am done. Welcome to the future. The early decades of the 21st century, all the wars have been won. There are no rogue states. The secret services of the world keep the planet electronically monitored, safe from all threat. There is no one left for the United States and the Eurozone to fight, except each other. A mysterious time traveler offers a better future. He is a time machine, and with it, humanity could reach the next stage of evolution. They could share its secrets and become the new lords of time. Either that, 
where someone could keep the technology for themselves and use it to fight the ultimate war. Dun dun dun. <laughs> well, it doesn't get a. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't get a, a resounding dun. It doesn't get a horn though either. It doesn't get a horn right because horn. <laughs> it's no story of Martha. This looks like tiny print, but that's it's for, small. Well, it's, it is slightly smaller print. Smaller. Than that's, a, that's a large. That's a large paperback. So yeah. Be why. Where this store, where this book falls down, is it's Doctor Who trying it's your, it's your to be. Pages, by the way. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's Doctor Who trying to be James Bond. Oh. Which on paper that sounds that sounds awesome. I'm say I'm intrigued as a Bond fan. Maybe I'm just not a big enough Bond fan, but there's just stuff that Doc. I mean, we start the story, and there's this whole pre uh, prologue, but then we start and. The book starts, and they're in the past. These two people, obviously, who are from the future, because he's talking about how um, it's so nice not to be monitored all the time. And then you continue with this guy, Cosgrove, on a sub, and then somebody shows up, steals his briefcase, and blows up the show, sub. <laughs> And it ends up that was the doctor. It just that doesn't wait, seem. Wait, like, the doctor shows the doctor up, shows, steals the briefcase, he doesn't and kill anybody. Oh, okay. Like he, they're all wearing these futuristic life suits, so you get a little drop of water on them, and you basically become Ralphie from <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas Story. Christmas Story, and you float and you survive. So the doctor does a really cool thing in the sub where. He pours water. He pours himself a cup of water while he's talking to Cosgrove before he steals the briefcase and before after he's set the self-destruct to go off, where he says something along the lines of "You forgot my water" and pours it on his shoulder and <laughs> inflates and can't stop him. I and see he a leaves. serious flaw in this design. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to some extent, maybe not just a couple of drops. Uh-huh. That's where yeah, the flaw I, is. I'd hate to be having you know water. Yeah, and, you know, having a cup of water myself. That's where I inevitably always spill it down the floor. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and then you discover it's a doctor, and you're set in this slightly future time where I don't know if it's previously explored in these books or not, but they you're, they're they're talking about the easy and. Eurozone, and you have no idea really what's going on, and it's kind of the idea that take the euro and elevate it to it's not just currency, it's government now. So, Europe is basically one governmental agency, and it takes a while for them to explain that in the story. It's interesting that it goes there because that's one of the things when they introduced the euro. It was one of the, the conspiracy theories was oh. that we were creating a global yeah. government, a world government, and that uh, that was where they eventually would go, is if they created a euro, then they were going to have this European government. Yeah, so it, it kind of has that feel to it. And they, they, I don't know, I can't remember when the euro was introduced. Do you? Let's start talking about the late 90s. I don't know exactly what year. Well, this it seems this like was it first after. published in 2002. Well, I was going to say, I think it was right after the turn of the century. So, yeah. so because because they make reference to the euro as currency, mm-hmm. so I'm, I assumed it came out after. Well, that's something I found interesting. This is is there they one of the nice things that I tried 
trying to steal away from you too much, but uh, Anji's character is also fleshed out a little bit in these interesting email inserts that she's sending to her dead uh, fiancé, Dave, and they're all labeled 2001. So there's there's email at this oh. point in this as well. So the, you know, most of this can't be that old. Yeah. In fact, Anji's from 2001. She talks about being from the 21st century. See, and they never really specify where she is on okay. this. And that and that's that's where this fall, story falls down, or this book, is that it... It assumes you have read the previous books, mm-hmm. as uh, a line does. Right. I mean, you don't really get much explanation of who Angie and Fitz are. I mean, you kind of start to piece together. I didn't know that her boyfriend had died. There's some stuff in this about uh, the boyfriend, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit, but you, not nothing that grave of he was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then... They're they're on. They continue and they're on the beach, and the doctor. It, it, it doesn't explain how the doctor get to the situation on the sub, and why he's investigating what's going on here. It, it they don't touch on it at all. He's just there doing it for no reason, and how he got the tip off of something's not right here, and the idea that there's a time machine. So. They, they they steal the briefcase, which holds an arrowhead that was taken from the time period, so they can validate. And this this guy is trying to prove that he is they're traveling in time. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I have a problem with that. But go ahead, go ahead. Well, so. The doctor is looking at this and trying to figure out how to open the briefcase, and finally does, and figures out what's in it. And it's, it's an arrowhead from the past. Yes, they brought it with them to the future. Okay. And why they thought they could carbon date it and prove that it was from that time period, I don't know. Well, I think it's funny about that. Yeah, exactly. Which, what which I think later is funny they referenced to they referenced the arrowhead and they said, "Well, we can't prove it came from that time, but it is in the right style." <laughs> My it's problem with that is carbon date. Not even, not even the problem with that. It, it could be a fake or forged. I was just at the Kansas Museum three weeks ago and looked at a whole bunch of arrowheads <laughs> that were from the same time. They just happen to be preserved. So why can't I just go somewhere where somebody's preserved well, an arrowhead, put it in a briefcase, and say I went back in time? Oh, good, they're going to fix it. You're on to a uh, a part of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Fitz in this entire story, I don't know if I liked him. He's bumbling in a doofus in the entire thing. I don't know if that's how his character always is. That's sort but of the they, character that's fleshed out in this and Crooked World. Hmm. The same character. So and at least they're consistent. They, they, and, and they write him as an older guy, but there was a line where he was only in his like 30s. He is only in his 30s. Uh, but, they, but, because you but don't know much about from Fitz... The, Time, an older time period. I he know. comes from the 1960s. Yeah, he comes from the time of Elvis and but crooners. And he, the way he acts in the story, he should be a 60 year old man. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So I, that felt like it was really out of character. They ship him off shortly after he gets the the arrowhead and figures out what's going on and sends a message and uh, plays that he's this Cosgrove guy to go meet this Baskerville dude. So they send uh, Hosgrove off to Neverland, 
which ends up being Neverland Ranch from Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's now a big tourist spot. Holly's, yeah, uh, hence Holly's description stuff. that she thought started from the right and on until morning yes. and not. Neverland All Ranch. this time, Milady Chang, <laughs> literally her name is Milady, mm-hmm. which she makes reference to her parents thought it was quaint and historic. Uh, American CIA agent is kind of following the doctor thinking he is this Cosgrove guy. And so they send Fitz off and Cosgrove goes to America too thinking he's going to meet Baskerville. Well, the doctor and Angie go actually meet Baskerville uh, being Cosgrove and his assistant to view this time machine. I'm going to go back to Fitz real quick. He very poorly plays spy, gets caught by Cosgrove, gets beat up, and the space rhinos show up and take him away. It's better than space buffalo. <laughs> it's true. They're not smart space rhinos, though. Oh, well, maybe they are like the space buffalo. <laughs> They're better than space buffalo, but not not by much. And the, the bar was set very low. Yes, it's true. <laughs> And then the rest of the book, Fitz is on this spaceship, and somehow he is convinced this rhino population that he is the doctor. Because he's traveled in time. And these rhinos are looking for time travel. The entire basis of this book is a power play to get a time machine. It continues. The Doctor and Angie get split up. So, at one, really through most of the book, we have all three of our main characters elsewhere. They do it there too. Yeah, that's yeah. which very reminiscent of that. There In was fact, Cricket World was the exact same way. Hmm. It must be a trend they did back then. <laughs> split the characters up. I think part of that is it, it's, it's when you got a novel instead as opposed to a three or four section television series. Yeah. I mean, you got a novel, you got to split them up and, it's, and, it's, and splinter off these storylines. It's the Empire Strikes Back formula that they continue in the Star Wars mm-hmm. books. They split off the characters and do their own adventures. Right. So you don't really get a good sense of what the Doctor's like with Fitz or Angie because it's so short. And Same they, thing with this one. They get split off. Angie and the Doctor get split off because they realize... Uh, Baskerville has been making these prophecies of things that are going to happen to prove he's from the future. The next pro- they've been small things, but the next prophecy is that a giant tidal wave is going to wipe out Athens. So the doctor, in a really brilliant bit of with Angie, he was going to send Angie off to try to save people, and she somehow turns it around to have him go off to save people. And outs him as a CIA agent to Baskerville, or outs him as not who he says he is. I don't think she goes to CIA because she then starts masquerading as CIA. And the bodyguard throws him out a window, <laughs> 23 stories up. And if it weren't for Milady scaling the building, being a spy, the doctor probably would have died. <laughs> And so then the rest, most of the rest of the book, the Doctor and Milady are companion, or Doctor and companion. Okay. And then Angie is off with Baskerville. 
And they go off to this yacht. And Fitz is with the rhinos. And the, Fitz is with the rhinos. <laughs> so Angie goes Fitz off. Fitz seems to get the raw end of the deal yeah. in every one of these books. And I'm sensing a pattern. He, he gets strung up and tortured. Well, not really tortured. It's it's rhino torture. It's, it's, Fitz is not the smartest crayon in the box. Right. But he's still smarter than the rhinos. Oh, good. All right. Well. So he uh, at least is one up on them. And the, is it the uh, don't throw me the briar patch uh, trick? You know, you tell them to do what you want them to do, but make it sound like it's horrible? Uh, almost. It's uh. the we're going to put this pain inducer on you, but we really don't know much about humankind. Oh. So they don't know that one setting one doesn't do much. Uh. So he just pretends to really be in pain. Okay. I did not like the space rhino stuff in this at all. I was like, "Oh, really? We're going back there?" I I could I could tolerate the doctor being a spy more than the space rhino stuff because they didn't commit. If they would have committed to spy, we're going to do James Bond, but the doctor, and fully committed to it, I would have been okay with it with the time machine elements to it. But then you add in this third element, and it's like you're just trying too much. You know what it seems? It it it, it reminds me of enemy aliens that we or yeah enemy aliens that we listened to just a couple weeks ago. Mm. In that we had this wonderful Earth-based spy story going and, and then on, the, and then yes. we added this element. Yes. And while it still all worked together and was it, fine, it still ties that in was, at the end. But <laughs> that was the thing that felt a little out of place to me was this alien invasion that was going to happen. That's that's how this is okay. too. Um, there are some really entertaining bits of fits on the ship, and they the rhinos' home planet have higher gravity. So he's kind of not he's the ship has higher gravity, so he's having trouble dealing with it and constantly smoking through this entire thing and they they make reference they they the rhinos call his cigarettes the burning leaves, so that was kind of it, it, literally it, literally it is, yeah, yeah. It's, and then he eventually gets a pad because the 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 gravity's so heavy that these rhinos just teleport everywhere instead of walking. And so there are some really nice bits of him using the pad to try to... Um, they have a giant EMP cannon that they're going to use on the Earth to overtake the planet. And there's there's a lot of postulating through the entire book of, yes, we're going to go defeat them and we're pa- all-powerful. But there's a moment where they do go down because they, they started detecting time elements. And one of and the, their leader gets killed, and they think they're impervious. So then they all start spiraling out of control, and it starts getting kind of weird. Well, it's kind of, probably quite distressful when you think you're invulnerable, and well, then suddenly your leader dies. Yeah, yeah. and and they they underestimate the uh, the human the humans, and they're more ingenious than we thought. And so now the <laughs> well, the, the, rhinos, the, the the invite the invasion will take twelve minutes instead of nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're very prideful species. Yeah, yeah. They sound very Santarin. They are they are kind of Santarin. Makes you wonder if uh somebody writing this would have used Santarins had they got had the they rights got the to rights. do it. It, it. could be Santarins might have made more sense. I think that's why Jadun were in yeah. for the new series because they hadn't squared out what they were uh, gonna do with the Santarins. And and eventually <laughs> the rhinos teleport away to the end climax of the book and then fits destroys the ship and is just going to die 
up on the ship, and the pad's like, can we teleport away? And then tell you, oh, yeah, let's do that, and then teleports down there. Oh, jeez. <sighs> okay, so now Angie goes off with... I should back up. Before they go off, the, the, uh, the boyfriend stuff, to prove that it's a time machine, they send Angie... Who's masquerading as Milady, or yeah, maybe not Milady, somebody else, uh, back in time with him, and she decides to go back to a point before she leaves, and to prove that that she time traveled, she's going to send a text, and then they can look at the call logs. So, they- so she's going to text her boyfriend to go pick up some Star Wars DVDs. And so she teleports to a spot where she remembers, and it's obviously something's not well with the with the, them as a couple at this point. I had no idea that he died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so she does that, and she sees herself in this time, and then starts seeing some other things, and starts getting really sick. And when she comes back, she is nauseous and time sick. I wonder so, if that's an, an, an effect of, of the fact that she knows what fate is for Dave and she's having to relive this. Because I, I thought that would be, you know, the first thing you're going to do when you're in a time machine, uh, you know, traveling in a time machine with the doctor go back is and, go back. Well, she, she postulated the idea that it was because she was crossing her own timeline that she was getting some sort of time sickness. Simply be they, they explain it later. Oh, okay. Um, so then... She outs the doctor. The doctor gets thrown off the building. And then she goes off with uh, Baskerville to this yacht where it's safe away from the tidal wave. And she's playing up that she's a CIA agent and she's going to call the president. And actually does. Um, because this Baskerville guy is looking for or needs access to this supercomputer for some reason or another. And... So she goes off and calls the doctor, or calls the president, and actually talks to him. And he re, he he recognizes that it's not who she says it is, but he plays along. Pretty clever. And then Baskerville takes the phone, sets up a meeting, uh, and then they kind of relax on the yacht after the, the devastations happened, and Angie goes and explores. The yacht to kind of find ideas and try to find this time machine. She she goes in Baskerville's room, finds a briefcase under his bed, opens it up. It's a coffee pot that was in the room that where the te- uh, time machine was. She's like, that's weird. It still has coffee in it. Then has to hide under the bed because he comes in, comes out, and she cops to the truth. And then he just starts spilling his guts to her. It's really bizarre that he just suddenly trusts this woman for no reason after she's lied to him just twice. Just out of nowhere. And so, by the time... LeFay. Sorry. Morgan LeFay. I think that's what it was. So by the time Angie Sorry. is in place for the climax, she knows everything. But we're still in the dark of what's going on. During that time... Which is kind of weird. That the, yeah. Yeah. It, during that time, 
Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Lay and Fay. Morgan Lay and Fay. <laughs> During that time, it's revealed that Baskerville's not really from the future, like he says. And he's from Mother Russia. And he doesn't have a time machine. I don't... Th- None of this I thought was very surprising or very twisty, so I'm just going to reveal it. It's just a drug in the coffee that makes you think... Oh, so that's why the coffee was in the... Okay. And that's why the coffee was in it. That's why she has the effect that she did, because she she's actually a time... The- yeah. The, 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 the chemicals in the drug made her sick. Uh, Pretty clever. She is a time traveler. And she is a time traveler. So that that's kind of explored, and you don't you don't get that reveal of what's what the time machine is until the climax, but it fits in with this way I'm telling the story. Uh, the doctors teamed up with with my lady. They save a bunch of people in a safe from the fl- tidal wave, but the tidal oh, wave right. kills a lot of people. Um, and throughout some of this, there's hints of another faction watching the doctor. Trying to stop rogue time people from their their time agents, basically, essentially, what J- Captain Jack was or will be, etc. Before was yeah was is, for his time stream yeah was. what like they what little they explained about Captain Jack and his history with that time agent stuff it feels like this oh okay all right. So there are people on a mission to make sure time travelers don't muck with the history and change things. Okay. That's the impression they give, but they don't explain that. After the time... <laughs> so there was these time agents watching. And they give this whole... This, this is where it especially feels like it's part of a bigger arc. There's this whole description of whoever this lady was on a sea and it's like I can't tell if it's allegory if it was actually her history of what happened and somebody by the name of I think Solomon and a cabin boy and like this this guy named Solomon is going back in time grabbing basically pirates taking them and turning them into time agents I guess they don't explain it at all. And I did a little wiki search afterwards, and the time agents and the car- and the, the main guy who's their boss recur frequently. Oh, okay. So it, it's a going thread that I'm just in the middle of. So I wonder if they eventually got to they, they that event- story. I think they did. Okay. That's that's a neat idea, though. It is. Pepper a, a bigger goes, arc. Yeah, through there, yeah. and then address it later. Which I think you're, from the impression I got, you were introduced to Solomon, or whatever his name was, in one book, and then they continue with the time agents. Okay. But both of them, or the ones killed, one, the, the the older ones killed, and then the second one is sent back in time, back to wherever this guy is, and that's the end of it yeah. for the time agents. And now the Doctor and Angie have their time machine. That would be kind of weird. 
popping into yeah, popping into it. It's very and not knowing, very unsettling and very confusing. But it would be a nice surprise for somebody that has yes. who's read it before yeah. that. It would be very cool. Okay, of, Keith, ooh. we're gonna go back. And we're gonna start from the beginning. We're reading all, <laughs> all of the. Well, I think we need to. I think we point. do too. Because I'm certainly even more intrigued based on yours. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff makes me want to go read there. the other, yeah. at least the other time agent stories. Which is why Big Finish needs to make all of this available to everybody <laughs> because we. We want to go back and we want to learn. We want to learn what's happened and, and where this has come from. So, But after the tidal wave, they go back to the, where the time machine is and discover, wait, this is, they, whatever, the, whatever the time machine element was, they took it with them because this is all light bulbs. Um, Cosgrove shows up, the guy from whose briefcase he gets stole, and they play a big role, or, and he's trying to hunt down the doctor uh, because he recognizes him and he, he's and the, he stole his birthday. He stole and blew up my sub. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm angry, and so then but he didn't kill me. Yeah, because he poured water on my yes. suit and it became rough. But then there's this three angle or this this three way fight where Cosgrove ends up killing the time agent and the doctor and and um, here's the other thing that I didn't like about the James Bond esque Cosgrove is shooting a gun at the doctor. The doctor gets a gun. Okay, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. The doctor is shooting the bullets out of the sky. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know about that being that's, even James Bondish. Yeah, that's, that's something... That's not... I'll, I'll, I'll give the doctor will fire a gun. He does that. But to be that skilled at a gun, I don't think so. That's a little Armand Flynn or... Yeah. That's kind of just I, a little more farcical I, I, spy movies. And, of course, Cosgrove doesn't understand what's going on and... The, your story sounds very I, I I less liken it to James Bond and more liken it to just spy novels. Yeah, you know? that, just uh, that generic '60s and '70s style. It's, spy yeah, novel it's, a, it's a spy novel, and it continues. And Cosgrove eventually, uh, the Doctor knows the President. He had a previous hist- uh, adventure with him. Something about a daughter. The Doctor having a daughter. I don't know. That's another reference to a previous book. Well, we know the doctor had a daughter. Well, well, yes, two of them. So we, so we don't know if this <laughs> is reference to Susan's mom or what this is. Um, and I want to. One of those small points I should have wrote the note down. I want to say there was a reference to the doctor getting married hmm. uh, from the president, also. Oh. So, um, the president ends up going <laughs> off to Turkey to meet Baskerville. And then Cosgrove shows up, and the two know each other, and they just kind of, kind of um, agree to work together to get the time machine. The fourth uh, prophecy ends up being a bomb, uh, atom bomb in Canada. What? Yeah. Well, that's the most unrealistic thing you've ever brought up in this book. <laughs> An atom bomb in Canada? Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, and it turns out Baskerville <laughs> is not, obviously not from the future, so he planted a, a bomb at a specific right place in the ocean to create the tidal wave. Oh, I see. And there's this whole thing about in the future, wars aren't waged with humans. They're remote-controlled robots, so it's like playing a video game. This guy created all of this stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff that they do with Baskerville. So it's bait and switch and cloak yeah. and dagger. Yes, and it's, it's all it's, very it's, much it's, that, all leading to a climax where it's kind of a letdown. 
Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's it's got a great big... But he's kind of faking this as he goes yeah, along. He's faking this it. Is not, and yeah. He really doesn't have this time machine He doesn't have se. a time machine, so he's planting the evidence and trying ah. to prove. Also, he can have... It's uh, like the arrowhead in the back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they explain that away, too. Okay. And it's his rationale is... It's also he can have all the money... Flow through his bank account, so he has uh, control of all. Well, the money. that's and see now that, Keith, that's, that's very spy novel too. It is. I mean, it's it really is. they really took they tr- the they, formula they really to be a spy and novel. sci-fied it up a bit, but yeah, uh, added so, the alien element, but uh, and and the future element too. Yes, yes. And so they end up deactivating the bomb. Um, Cosgrove was the one that killed the Rhino because they have an encounter with them and they freak out and. <laughs> That was after they meet up with the president. Because they're in disarray because their leader was... Well, no. well the humans freak out, too. Because, oh, oh, well. oh, wait, there's this alien element oh. we have known nothing about. It's a giant rhino. Yeah. And then it all leads to a climax Space on rhino. this obsolete bunker in Russia where either people, everyone either escapes or dies. <laughs> and the doctor explains that these aren't actually... It's not actually a time machine... But Cosgrove is so desperate to get the machine anyways because the doctor and Milady actually had the time machine from the time agent. But it's depleted. So they end up throwing it off a cliff mm-hmm. and he jumps after it but doesn't get to activate it in time because it's too depleted. Oh. Yeah. So that was Splat. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a lot of cool ideas in the story yeah. and it's a it was a it was a very fun read despite the head scratching rhinos. <laughs> And so, it takes thousands of years for the rhinos to get to this planet. So they decide to take Baskerville back for a tribunal because he lied about a time machine. For a thousand years home. It, it, it's, it's it's all very much a okay. We're done. Wow, it doesn't one, sound one like they very just kind of wrap it up. And the, doc, the doctor and. Uh, Fitz, once they get back together, it's a very nice combination. I like their chemistry together. Now this this takes but, but, place. But they don't get. They, yeah, this takes after. place after because there's a reference to Earthworld Earth in it. Okay. Um, there's also how about Crooked World? Is it in around there? Do you know? I do not know. Let me look at the list real quick. I think Crooked World comes after because Earthworld's after this. For or uh, Crooked World's af- after this per se. Per se, no, it actually is. There's no per se to it. It <laughs> t- not, takes place. After according this. to this, Crooked World is not isn't on this list in the oh, back okay. of the book, so sure. it comes after. Uh, overall, it's a, it, especially if you like spy novels. There, it, it's a document. I may give novel. that one a try. It's, it's, it's the roller coaster is is very fun and very worth it. Well, we talk about how the third Doctor was very James Bond. Well, yeah. And but I think more in character than story. This seems to be this is in story. This is in story and not necessarily character. Which, and, it sounds like the there, doctor's there doing times, very James Bondy yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it felt like the doctor was doing things out of character. But there was a lot of it in the book where he had, like we talked about last week, sometimes he had the sense of wonder, sometimes he didn't. Hmm. So I, I, I can I can forgive the not always having the sense of wonder because you know, the big finish right. audio he doesn't always have right. it. So I but you the, can't be too uneven. Well, yeah, I, I, th- I think over. I think my bigger complaint when I mentioned it last week was there wasn't enough of the Doctor, and by 
the halfway point, there's more of it, more of focus on him. So it evened out the character. Funny, Earthworld does that too, but not not enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was something else I wanted to reference. Is there any mention of Gallifrey? I don't think so. Okay. One that of there's things that intrigue me about Earthworld is they talk about the destruction of Gallifrey. Yes. <laughs> Which shocked the heck out of me. I'm pretty sure there was a reference to that. I can't remember if it was a reference in the book or when I was looking it up on Wiki to find out the time uh, agent stuff. Okay. And this doesn't give any more other than the fact that I want to say Gallifrey the doctor says something about that 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 there is his world is gone or whatever. Which would have been before the idea of, of the, the time sixth, war. Yeah, the sixth or sixth. 2005 series that yeah. introduced that idea. So. I wonder if they, they they sent the idea, like they wrote this and Russell T. Davies saw, read well, some of these. he wrote... Did he write one novel? He definitely wrote a Seventh Doctor New Adventures. I don't know if he had one in the Eighth Doctor line or not, but hmm. he has written novels before, so maybe. Alright, well we're gonna, we don't want to run over three hours again this yes. week. So... Uh, was there anything else? Uh, I don't think so. So you would recommend it? I, but... I would recommend it if you like a spy novel. Okay. Right. I, I I did not expect it to be as much of a spy novel as it is. And there there is also some very interesting political things that are explored, just not enough. Well, I'm intrigued. And I, feel, I felt out of place because I didn't... It, they, didn't it, get the references or different... Yeah, it almost seems like you... Sh- you should know what the easy is. I see. The Eurozone is. Right. And I didn't. It so. Maybe a little too British then. That could be. Um, well, I'm certainly intrigued to read it, but now I think I want to try to attempt to go through the Eighth Doctor's Era in order. So, yeah. yeah. I think that would be a good idea. Now I know how you feel bouncing around the. <laughs> bouncing around the vortex. Now, you, now you understand why I go to the wiki and try to sort things <laughs> yeah, out in my head. Yeah, exactly. All right, so where are we bouncing to next week, Sean? Uh, coming up next on the schedule, I will be returning. We will be recording late because of that, but I will be rejoining the gang and coming to you live and in person instead of over voicemail uh, for our episode number 144 next week. Uh, we will be discussing the IDW Prisoners of Time 9, along with the Big Finish Destiny of the Doctor, Night of the Whisper. So we start our ninth Doctor celebrations next week. Uh, after Friday Night Who on 927, when we'll be watching the animated Scream of the Shalka with an alternate universe, Doctor Number 9, voiced by Richard E. Grant. So uh, that's it. I promise to get the rest of the schedule up while I'm on vacation, but that way at least there's something posted for you guys to have, and uh, you'll see more uh, things down the road. Thanks for that, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you sent us email. Uh, Voicemail to let us know. He certainly got the. He did his. He did his homework. He did. which his assigned homework his, because he tried to do his yes. other homework, which it wasn't to get this book done. But uh, yeah, he did do his assigned homework. And that was the schedule for next week. So yes. Now we know what we're doing. Anyway, um, well, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Keith. Cheers. Be seeing you. <laughs> Seems weird. I know. <laughs> it's the first time I've done it with. No, that's not true because I did it when you weren't here, but I don't remember it being so awkward. But it was pretty awkward. <laughs> but that was more. It was on, awkward to hear. That was more on Sean's. Part. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Well, Sean was just being awkward on his show. See ya. <laughs> All right, bye. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. 
Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.